up, Sassnacks. It's Chelsea back for another episode of the Sassnack Files. This week, I'm discussing season five superlatives with my friend Angela Hickey from Outlander Cast and Queen Bee's Hive on Patreon. Before we get into that, though, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can find the Sassnack Files on all sorts of listening platforms, including iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, if you have not had a chance yet, make sure you head over to follow the Sassnack Files on both Facebook and Instagram to make sure you are up to date on all of the latest and greatest news concerning Outlander's Season 7 and anything Diana Gabaldon cooks up. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into Season 5 Superlatives. Enjoy! Alright, so, my first Saturday Live in, like, a long time. A few housekeeping details. So uh, next week I'm taking the week off from podcasting, but two weeks from yesterday, I guess, Angela and I are doing a character analysis, deep dive, if you will, on Jamie. It's been a while since we've done one of those. Um, I think the last one that I did was with Rebecca and that was on Frank. We're going to be doing that. That will be June 10th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, that's a Friday night, and that's Eastern time. And then two weeks from then, I will be doing my my book club on The Ruby Brooch by Catherine Lowry Logan. I'm really excited about that. If you would like to do a book club this, uh, this summer slash fall, it's not going to be a regular thing. It's going to be more like special episode type deals for just to kind of fill Droughtlander. So I'm doing this one, and then I'm going to do the first four episodes of season six. I'm going to do the second book in the series, do the last four episodes of season six, and then do the third book. There are 11 books in total. The 12th one comes out next month. So plenty to keep us busy on that front. It's a fantastic series, time travel romance, keeping with the theme of Outlander. So uh, if you're looking for a new, your new favorite book series, come over and join us. There are events in TSF Obsassinax, just like you followed this event to be able to see this live. So I'm dropping basically like the format and stuff like that all in there. It's going to be discussing the whole book in one sitting. So nothing like too deep, just what we liked, what we didn't like, themes that we saw, writing style choices, historical references, things like that. And with that, I'm going to bring Angela on. How are you? Busy, but good. I am I'm good. Um, I did post, I, I don't know if you saw it, I posted my blog I did on the community theme mm-hmm. of season five that I did back in season five. So I, I was hoping you were okay with me posting yeah. that. I just figured if people wanted to kind of warm up with it, you know, it would be a good thing to kind of remember like a brief little synopsis of all the different yep. apps. You sure is. For everyone that doesn't know, this is Angela Hickey. She writes for Outlander Cast, and she also runs a book club over there on the book club page. You want to tell them a little bit about that and your Patreon that you've got going on with Queen Bee's Hive? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Everything's like really growing. My time over on Outlander Cast Clan Book Club is pretty much running reading groups like you're going to be doing. I can't wait. I'll be there for it uh, <laughs> on the Ruby Brooch because I really love 
that that book series as well. So on on Alley or Chaos Clan Book Club, I usually like do deep dive studies on different books or novellas or whatever. Usually they're over a few months of time, you know, regular meetings. And we're going to be starting drums actually. Forget the date I put on there for the first one. I I want to say June. I can't remember now. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I should have come prepared for that. But <laughs> oh my god. Um, but I I want to say it's um. Oh shoot. Now it's gonna bug me. But all right. Let's somebody look and tell me. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm it's somewhere it the second. I want to say it's the second Saturday in June. We're starting drums. But I but double check that on the event. Anyway, Looks like the we're... intro and prologue will be June fourth at three p.m. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yes. I'm really, you know, so competent. <laughs> um, I have my brain in like this other place. So anyway, yes, June 4th, we'll be starting with the prologue and intro. Um, and, and then we'll be, you know, each we'll be doing about an hour and a half worth of audible time. You know, that's kind of how I figure it, that amount of space um, for each meeting, depending on how intense the content is. Mm -hmm. So that's coming up. But then what I'm really excited about is the um, my Patreon page, which is Queen Bee's Hive on Patreon. And I Mm -hmm. do a lot of different things, pretty much a lot of different things that touch on Diana's world. It could be cultural stuff, historical stuff. It could be another series that kind of overlaps in some way, like term. We're going to be doing um, discussions on term. We're going to be just doing discussions on the vanished days. So it's not just, we kind of branch out. We do character studies. So there's a lot of different things I do there. I have a clips from an interview I did with Diana there that I'm, that I'm using for my blog piece and, we have uh, Tom's takes, which actually I did 602 <laughs> for that. That's going up. And that's my irreverent husband and I watching an episode and his very kind of off. It's not, you know, for children. Um, you know, you will hear <laughs> F-bombs. You will hear sexual innuendo because my husband, you know, is that's my husband. So he sits and we comment back and forth as we watch. Um, and so that's just like something weird that I added into our <laughs> into the repertoire. So that's going up actually after I get done here, I'm going to be putting up 602. So I always have different unique things going up there. So I'd love to have you join. It's Patreon, um, www.patreon.com slash Queen Bees Hive. And so I'd love to have you join. I'm going to find the link real quick and drop it. Thank you. Cause I can't search. I have all my windows up on, and I can't get out, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we actually are going to Philadelphia a group of us I know. Um, I'm so sad. I have to miss that. I'm so sad you can't come. So it would be so much fun like, to have you. It was you. like the worst week. It was like right, literally, I'm getting I back I can't from change when Monmouth is, though. So it is when it's kind of everything revolved around the, recre- the recreation of the Monmouth battle. Yeah, I know. And so uh, that takes place on the 17th and 18th. And so I, I did a thing we're calling it the Philly Swarm. And uh, we're spending... We're going to go through the whole recreation of the of the um, the Battle of Monmouth, Tenant Church, all of that. And then we're spending three days in Philly and we're doing Valley Forge and Bartram Corn, all the highlights of uh, of the books, you know, and all the Diana locations. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's our first like swarm. (laughs) 
first swarm <laughs> event, our first swarm event. So we're growing, yeah. we by yes. we, you know. Yeah, I uh, one thing that I really want to do um, is go to the Grandfather Mountain Highland Games. That's like yes. on my list that's, of that's going to be on my things. agenda as well yes. for a future swarm. <laughs> yeah, because I <laughs> a love like that maybe area next anyway, year. So, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I always forget, and it's like coming up like in July, I think, and I always. Mm-hmm forget about it until it's like the next week and then I'm like well I can't get off work I need to be proactive but what fun is that <laughs> all righty well let's get into thank you for letting me let me let, like let me let thank you for letting me promo my stuff I appreciate oh. that hey we're all friends here we all gotta plug our stuff <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, uh, you might get a couple things because I put you on my page just yeah. like 20 minutes ago so you might get you a go. couple people that pop on and want to come in um hey carrie good to see you. i know i wish you were coming too she's so close too she's a jersey mm. girl go ahead i'm sorry no you're fine um so today we are wrapping up season five i know we're behind the eight ball but that's fine because it gives us stuff to do during drought lander right today and you know talking- what's great is i just did the one on six kind of like mm-hmm kind of touched all over six so it's kind of like okay well now we can bounce on five or else it would feel repetitive yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) we're gonna time travel through the outlander universe and go back to season five that's right (laughs) because season five actually informs a lot of season six in some ways so uh for sure sure. all righty so um if you guys saw i posted earlier in the week our discussion topics so if you guys have answers to some of the things that or things that you liked or didn't like about whatever topics we're going to be talking about, just drop them in the comments and we'll keep a lookout for anything interesting in there. So where would you like to start on our long list of items on the agenda? Guests first. Okie dokie. Well, I'm going to tell you, I do have some ties. <laughs> oh, me too. So I, got, I have two for a lot. So maybe we'll yeah, have some I of the do. I have, I have honorable mentions. I have all yeah. that crap because I am like really the most indecisive person on the planet, <laughs> probably, you know. And um, for the first time, guys, Angela and I did not tell each other what our answers are. So this yes. will be a surprise. So you make it some well. dupes. You know, yes. usually I, I ask Chelsea for her answers so that I don't, so that we cover more space <laughs> right. with our answers. But this time we thought it would be fun to just surprise each other as well. So, uh, so you may get some dupes. <laughs> that's why I have two. That's, that's yes. my reasoning. I'll stick to it. That's why I'm doing two for each or whatever, but not for all of them. But anyway, um, well, let's see. Let's do, well, I will start, I'll start at the top. The, do you okay. want to do best and worst scene? Sure. Let's do it. I had a hard time, man, picking one scene. I, I know. Honestly, it was so hard. You know, you know I need categories. What I do? Here's what I do. <laughs> I go through and I fill out all the rest of them. And if there's something that I really want to talk about that's not in any of my other categories, I put it there. <laughs> so I, I said for the best... Do you want me to say best and worst or just best? And then you, you can say do best, best. I'll do best. You do worst. I'll do worst. Gotcha. Okay. So for best, I have a couple that I wanted to just mention. Claire's Rescue, mm-hmm. which I thought was phenomenal, yep. you know, to watch. I love the lighting of it. I love the intensity of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing. I love that scene. It's one of my favorites of the season. So I picked that. I also like for like a tender scene. I liked the Brie and Jamie discussion, which 
I think part of it is because we're starving for any Mackenzie Jamie interaction on this damn show, you know? And so I glo- I glom onto anything like that. Um, but I so I really like the their talk about William, even though it gives me some concerns about the future um, and storylines that involve yes. that. So I'm kind of cons- curious what they're going to do there. But it was a lovely moment. Mm-hmm. I also picked some of the Roger Ian scenes because mm-hmm. I really liked that parallel that they did with those two. And um, I thought that they had a really interesting dynamic. So I just kind of put that together. Roger and Ian. Yeah. <laughs> but like collectively, because there was mm-hmm. a few that were really good, poignant little connective threads between them. So I put that as well. Yeah, uh, the Claire rescue scene was one of mine as well. I felt like just overall, I mean, it's that's an emotional, the top of my list. Yeah, it's an emotional character moment for everybody involved. It's beautifully shot, very well mm-hmm. choreographed. So kind of hit all the all the check marks for me. My other one was the. Um, birthday sex and like prelude stuff in Ballad of Roger Mack between Jamie and Claire um, where he's talking about romantic spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) where uh yeah because they're just talking about you know this is a day my father never lived to see and it's just it's a really beautiful moment so that was my that was the top one and then Claire's rescue was my second one so my worst scene man there's a couple there, there was a couple. I'm interested to see if there's a The immediate one that comes to my mind is Claire doing the stupid autopsy because that's one of my biggest hated things of this entire season. So I put that as my worst worst, but I also didn't like uh, several things that were in um, 605. Yes, 605. Yes. Yeah, that's hated that episode. Hated that whole episode too. Um, so I, I didn't like, you know, the way the barn sex came off. I didn't like the way Claire was using her wiles to trap Wiley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't intend that. <laughs> um, so it's just like it was so ridiculous, some of it. But um, anyway. So I didn't like that, but but definitely that autopsy scene of um and and the killing all the five oh two, you know, but the killing of the uh, Jamie killing um, what's his name, Knox. That was another one I hate. Another choice mm-hmm. I hated. Um, but so those are those are the ones for me though. That autopsy it was just so out of character for Claire. It was yeah. just so bad in so many ways. And it just really turned the only thing that saved it was Marsley, that whole entire scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only reason yep. why I don't completely just fast forward that whole that whole part on rewatches because I do love Marsley in it. But Veronica yeah. says, but I really liked the conversation after the barn sex. Yes. Yeah. It was a fantastic, like quote unquote pillow talk. Um that was But that's a yeah, different scene. That, exactly, different scene. Um mm-hmm. so barn sex was also my worst um and then my honorable mention for worst second worst i don't know how you <laughs> um was the moment with brie and the buffalo and monsters and heroes i oh, was okay. like mm, mm, that looks so weird and then the fact that she just popped back up and like i mean i get adrenaline but if you just got like pushed into the air by a buffalo like i don't really think you're getting right back up 
from that. Plus, I felt like the CGI was pretty, pretty off on that scene as well. So I was actually I, I didn't mind it because I was glad that they even actually did something real instead of the fake bear thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I appreciated the attempt mm-hmm. to make it a real animal, even though it's a hard thing to do for TV. So I didn't put that as my bad. Um, Cause I, I, I love the whole episode, so I'm not going to pick on that. Well, one for- yeah. Well, and I see, I, I didn't mind the stuff with uh Lieutenant Knox either. So I feel okay. like it's just, just personal preference, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, so biggest laugh out loud moment. Yeah, biggest laugh out loud moment, and just because I this almost is is also one of my romantic moments, um, but uh, but it's also definitely the one that I laugh and I always rewind and watch again, <laughs> you know, because this was funny. Is um, the whole beginning of five oh nine with yep. Roger and Bree in bed and getting cock blocked by everybody <laughs> okay getting cock blocked by their kid getting cock blocked by jamie you know roger through the whole thing is hilarious i love that scene so much from the from the time it starts yeah. all the way up through after jamie comes in like i'm all in on that scene so i love it I almost picked it as a favorite scene too, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a lamp out loud moment for me. So that was my favorite as well. Um, really? Other, yeah. Oh my God. From start to finish, just <laughs> die. I didn't think you would pick that. Time. So that's, no. that's great. I'm thinking I was picking something unusual. <laughs> no, uh, that was, I was thinking, I was like, okay, laugh out loud moments. Cause there are quite a few like chuckle moments throughout mm-hmm. this season. I feel like that's something that they really. I almost felt like they put effort into finding those little moments in season five, which we Mm -hmm. haven't necessarily had in previous seasons. So I appreciated that. But this was the one that literally when I watched it, I had to stifle my laughing because my mom was sleeping in the next room. (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny about that scene or what it would add to it. It's not just one punchline. It's like a funny thing, then another yep, funny thing. Exactly. And then they like him saying shit, you know? And then where did he learn that word? And all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, Jamie, and then they're all scrambling for clothes. And that was the most the hilarious. Back and forth, yes. You know, and she's like, no. And he's no. looking around looking. And, <laughs> I don't even And him saying, <laughs> where else would we be? Are you up? Are you there? Well, where the hell else would we be? Yeah, just so many different little funny beats to the whole thing. And then and you then, see Jamie, and then Jamie look- going, and a, and a capable man you are <laughs> i mean it was priceless you know yeah, there's so it many really fun was. moments in that whole thing um so it was great it was great you know <laughs> yes. jamie was just like now i know how murtaugh felt back yeah <laughs> you yeah. know back in season one and uh awkward uh by the pricking of my thumbs when yes. he was like getting yes. on the door <laughs> Anyway, um, I feel like the other scene that I probably, if I had an honorable mention, it's not really a scene because like, I didn't really care for the whole autopsy scene, but when Claire brings Marsley into that room and Marsley goes, Lord have mercy. (laughs) She is so good. She She is is. so good. (laughs) Deliver us from evil. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, oh man. Okay, 
Um, best and worst set or filming location. Okay. I didn't really have a worst. I don't know how to pick a worst for that. Yeah. So for my best, I picked a couple. Um, I didn't go for the stuff that you cast because I felt like that was obvious. Of course, that's all, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, you know. So I went with the Beardsley cabin because they really, they really did a good job for what it was. Not that I love the set as far as aesthetically for me, but I mean, they did a great job really creepifying Mm -hmm. the entire thing. It did what it was supposed to do, you know, so I really love that. Well, um, and it's even more impressive whenever you realize that that cabin is Roger and Bree's cabin, but set dressed differently. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the outside. I did not is. know that. So it's even more impressive when you think of it. In those yeah, terms. definitely. And I put also the Dreamscape House and all of the little iconic pieces from their entire series and the way that that was orchestrated. I just thought I like. I like picking out costumes and sets that I really feel like are purposeful to what they're trying, you know, like not just because they're attractive to look at, but they really serve a purpose. So I really like how intentional all the items were and and everything and all the Easter eggs that were in that set. Um, And I like the way it was filmed and everything. And uh, my honorable mention, it's a little quirky thing. um, But I put the wedding altar area Mm, for the first episode because I love how they captured, like, infusing the 70s vibe, you know, and late 60s, 70s yeah. vibe with the macrame little ropes. I remember yeah. that back when, you know, back when my I was a little kid and my mom would have, like, the little hanging ropes and the little <laughs> planters that had all the little ropes. That was, like, such a thing back then. Oh, they're I making a totally comeback. Fit. It totally fit, you know, to me. Yeah. Um, like if she was going to do like how they infused mm-hmm. little things that would make it feel normal for her, you know, right. and she probably you can picture her wanting to make this cool mm-hmm. hippie looking yep. vibe on the front of the altar. So I thought that was neat, even though it's not a big elaborate thing. You know, yeah. I thought it was neat that they did that. For sure. Yeah, that was super cool. Um, mm-hmm. I like those little things though, like just the little mm-hmm. things, not necessarily yes. always the big thing. It was like a neat little detail, you know, to do mm-hmm. that. Even right. just the setup of it was very traditional wedding compared to what they did then, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. So it was just really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my honorable mention was the Brownsville set. I thought that was really cool how they did that. It's literally just on the What was your side. best? What was your, was it something um, I already said? No, I'm, I'll get, I, I'll talk about Oh, you're it. going up. Yeah, I'm going up. Okay. <laughs> um, So I liked, I don't know, just the fact that they they literally built this little town out in the middle of nowhere and then they used it for one episode and then tore it down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, uh, it was really cool. Just all the little details you've got candle making and all of these like merchant carts and you've got little tents up on the hillside and you've got the main store, which was really cool with all the little props and stuff in it. So I thought that was cool. Well, they did I, use it again at the end, right? Because but they filmed it all together. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So they uh they actually pulled like they had Sam do that scene in like with that block of filming so that they could tear it mm-hmm. all down again. Um, mm-hmm. and then my favorite is Claire and Jamie's bedroom. I really mm. loved 
the wallpaper in it. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, but uh, more than yeah. that, I like how you can see it. They well, first off, they don't even have it finished for most of the season. But then in the episodes that you do get with it, you can kind of see the evolution of them getting more and more homey items in there. You get Claire's like sitting area with her mirror, and then you have like a bathtub, and yeah, I just liked it. I thought it was you really know what? cool. On the house, and I totally forgot that I have it here, and I and I didn't mm-hmm. say it, but Claire's surgery was another yeah, one I picked. Cool. You know, it had so mm-hmm. many, it was, you know, really that whole hat was the first time we were seeing all the stuff mm-hmm. in the house. And a lot of people complained about different yeah. things, but it was like an immense amount of work. It was beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I definitely liked the surgery. I liked the way she had all her little, like little pieces of plants hanging and the way they set it all up. It was really nice. I remember when the picture came out for it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All the glass and the light. And <laughs> the bricks in the floor are the only thing that I'm like, mm. I mean, aesthetically, it looks beautiful, but I'm just not sure how, like. I'm thinking my feet would be wanting to scream at me. If I had to stand <laughs> on my feet all day working in that surgery, my feet would not tolerate that well. Oh, I'm yeah. Especially when old- you don't. They didn't have the best shoes back then anyway. And then no. standing on bricks all day. I would need some rug. Well, I guess they couldn't have rug if she's going to have like people bleeding everywhere. They need something that can sink back into the earth. <laughs> I was thinking you need something that's easily cleanable and bricks just don't really. Like, no, yeah. I'm thinking it just searching. sinking, you know, to the foundation. Yeah. You know, you get the blood. Just sprinkle some dirt on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Veronica says so many people seem to dislike the bedroom wallpaper. It's a little intense. It is intense, but yes, you know I've, seen that. I've seen criticisms of that. Like it's blaring on your eyes and all this other stuff. Oh, see, I think that it's like dark enough that it really enhances the firelight in that room mm-hmm. because it's got like the, the velvety paisley design in it. And then mm-hmm. it's got the shiny red underneath. So I think it just really intensifies the firelight, which most mm-hmm. of the scenes in that room are in the dark with firelight. So I like the parlor too. the finish. I'm not oh. sure if it was completely finished with the blue and the gold. The turquoise. You know? It's yes. so gorgeous. Like that contrast of the curtains and the blue. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I need that Sherwin Williams paint number, that turquoise yes, color. Like, really, oh, I know that that was like a little bit. And you know, I, I mean, know it was beautiful it. to look at. I but... don't know how historically accurate those vibrant paint colors are, but I just love them so much. Like mm-hmm. the pop of color that they provide, because especially in this show, it's very like natural tones and like greens and browns and stuff so whenever you're able to get that pop of color like it's just like oh like all of the Paris stuff in season two you're like after the dreary highlands and everybody in their grays and browns and stuff it really just kind of sunk on screen yeah I do (laughs) think you can get colored because when you go to some historical towns you see you know, yeah. um, different colors, you know, but mm-hmm. usually they're not as bright though. Right. As that's what I mean. Yeah. They're usually like, you do see colors, yellows, reds, this, mm-hmm. and that, but, but they're more subdued. Like they're more yeah. like a wash rather than mm-hmm. a bright, you know, yeah. glossy paint type of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. All right. Um, what was your biggest tear? What was your worst? 
Oh, you didn't did say a word. I, no, I didn't oh. have a worse because um, I couldn't think of anything that I could say. Well, this this you know this setting sucked, so I couldn't yeah. think of anything. It but so it was just a nitpicky thing, really. Okay, it was um the Hillsboro Jail. Because I literally felt like that was the one time that I have looked okay. at a set and I was like, they use the exact same set from season four and called it something else. Like that yes. is the one, that's the one set I have ever said in Outlander that it's like, that's not creatively original. Although the one, you know, the ones they used in um, six, season six, I know we're not talking yeah. about season six. Right. They all look different. Exactly. You know, you've and, got a different vibe yeah. from art here than you got from the one that Claire's ends up in, and then those are both different than what we saw in yes. season five. So they did do something eventually to right. change it. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was like. And so I, I don't know whether that made it even more glaringly obvious for me when I was watching mm-hmm. these episodes on a rewatch. But I'm like, this is literally the exact same jail from the season four finale. <laughs> like, anyway, so that's why I picked it. Yeah, season season. Season five, they, well, I really actually, I really like season five. It, it's, it had a lot of strengths, but that first half, there was only a couple, a couple bright spots in the first half for me where the second half was stronger for me, you know? Oh so. yeah. I mean, I definitely think the second half was stronger. Um, I still don't think I like season six more than season five though. Really? I love season I do. five. Yeah. I, I mean, I like them both. I thought they were both very good, but I think mm-hmm. I like season six better. I think it, yeah. well, you know what? They all had, both of them did a lot of character work, which I always appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a lot of character work done in five. They had a lot of character work done in six. And some people don't like that because mm-hmm. they feel like they want to just talk about Jamie and Claire, right. but this is so essential. If any of you yeah. are out there that are thinking that way, it's really, really essential mm-hmm. that they build these characters because yep. these stories do all separate. And if mm-hmm. you don't have any connection to these characters, when they really start to matter, their stories really start to become major plot points for the, mm-hmm. for the I mean, they are now, but that right. even gets more so. And if you don't yeah. have a care or a vibe for these characters yeah. yet, you're, you're not going to care about their yep. story. So it's important that they do it now. So mm-hmm. it's really, I see them trying to do that. I do think then until Murtaugh was gone, they couldn't really do it. Yeah. You know, and that sucked up a lot of the character development time. But you really start seeing it, especially after episode seven, you start seeing them dip into Roger more, dip into Ian more, dip into all of these, you know, mm-hmm. people more. So and then all through six. So yeah. um, I like that. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely important. Like if you don't have a connection to these characters in quote unquote, early seasons, like I know we're in fifth, sixth season, but when we move on to seven and hopefully eight, if you don't have a connection to these characters like Brianna and Roger and Ian um, and John, you know, like. They even, in, in, I, I'm sorry to bring up season okay. six, but but even in that little conversation with John mm-hmm. in season six, you see them trying to build William's character before he's going to come into the show. You know, you see, even in just him describing William and how he's doing, Mm -hmm. it gives you already a vibe of this, of his character. And they're trying to do that kind of to get people interested in, Oh, let's, let's meet this guy. That's all that bag of chips, you know? Right. (laughs) So it's um, just so odd because like, and I said this in, um, what was it? 
I think it was my journey cake episode that I did where I was like, I feel so bad for John on a character level because at this Mm -hmm. point in the show, I feel like he's just the messenger to tell us what's going on with William. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's his role in the show so far. And he's such a deep and rich character that. I was just talking about that too. um, That it's, it's, I'm really hoping um, we were talking about, something major that happens at the end of, of season seven mm-hmm. um, and um, or book seven. And, and I thought, you know, I'm really hoping that before that happens, they do a lot of work over season seven to develop John in his own right more. Right. I mean, it is that way in the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they follow that for the show, right. um, you know, and give some, him some time to yep. get to, you know, to get immerse in him a little bit. Um, because right now people love, like him. I mean, they all, there's a lot of people love Lord John, you know, and like him when he comes into the show, but they see him more like just a little set piece to drop Mm -hmm. in now and then. Um, so I, I did love his episode. I did love Mm -hmm. him in the episode. Let's put it that way. Uh, that he had in season six. I thought they gave him a little more deeper stuff to play, you know, having Mm -hmm. meaningful conversations. Yes. (laughs) It was much more. Like it was less of him in season six, but much more crucial to character development. Exactly. More than perfect, just having perfect him way there. to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect way to say it. Veronica says they. This is going back to the um, the, the paint sets. Yeah, they definitely existed. She's talking about vibrant colors. Russian palaces are full of those blues and golds, but I just wonder how accessible and affordable they were for someone not of royal birth. Yeah, that's my whole point. It's like. It, is it really accurate for a home in the backwoods of North Carolina to have those? Like I could see like a whitewash or something like that, mm-hmm. or I, I'm even okay with the red shutters on the house, but <laughs> having all these vibrant colors in the house, I don't know. But I mean, it's not enough to You know what me... I write it off to? The generous Aunt Jocasta. Yeah. You I know, mean, or maybe, John, you know, she, you know, maybe Lord John, John really wanted them to lot. have. <laughs> and and Auntie Joe Cast uh, just you know had it, gave everybody a Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and chip down some goods. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I love that set, and I'm not gonna get stuck up on that. Like, it's not something that every time I see it, I'm like, oh my god, this bothers me so much. Yeah. No, it it it's not like that. I just like in the back of my head sometimes I just think about it as a passing whisper in the wind, and then it's <laughs> moving on. Alrighty, so biggest... Just one of those things you kind of go... Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. And then move on, yeah. <laughs> uh, biggest tearjerker. Um, <laughs> okay, so... A single tear. <laughs> a tear did fall. Um, so... I said... You know, uh, the obvious is Claire's rape and abuse and Mm -hmm. all of that. Okay. So that's for sure. Um, I also said, even though I have internal resentment about it on behalf of Roger and how he was (laughs) shortchanged in the process. Okay. um, Jamie's reaction with Murtaugh's Mm -hmm. death was a big tearjerker, you know, for sure. Um, But it did shortchange Roger in that episode. But that's beside the point. Um, Also, honorable mention small moment but definitely what got me emotional was the dead girl in the cabin in 511 oh, and yeah. roger having to euthanize her mm-hmm. it was so like roger's face 
And when you hear him talk about it, he said it that was like real because he felt so like the uh, he got so sunk into the moment. And mm-hmm. he said that he was like really choked up, you know, yeah. just even filming the scene because mm-hmm. it felt so real, you know, and he she yeah. can, he can imagine how traumatizing that yeah. would be for Roger. So oh, yeah. for me, that was a very heartbreaking moment to see that girl. They did a good job mm-hmm. on the makeup and everything for that. It was oh, man. really upsetting. <sighs> yeah, you know, little girl. It was. Yeah, for sure. That was a that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> Murta's death was my, was my number one, um, okay. just because, just because of Sam really like his reaction to it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, but and God, he bends over and the tears, that was another thing when, when he had to tell Murta to leave that in, the, in the first yeah. episode and then he bends down and you actually see tears falling out of his face yes. and flopping on the ground yeah i was like oh my god you know yeah. like it's like splashing tears on the ground i said oh, sam you know, and i he's think something, that man he is and i think that in the show jamie's a relatively stoic character like he's not <laughs> as emotional as he is in the books like jamie's Jamie's pretty emotional in the books. Um, he's not afraid to show his emotions, I guess, is, no. a, is a good way it, to put or it. Or he picks and chooses who he can show it. In front yeah. Of, but ones that he feels comfortable with, he right. will. And so <clears throat> in the show, I feel like that's not as obvious. Like, I feel like he's v- more, like, closed off to certain people. I guess just, like, what we see of him in the show. Like, he doesn't have a problem showing Claire his emotions or whatever. But I also feel like in these little scenes where he does have these explosive moments of just crying and stuff it makes it that much more powerful i think when you see it on screen because you don't see it um really in the show but um i don't even see this as an honorable mention i see this as a tie because this one hit me just as hard Mm -hmm. um was claire and brie on the back porch during monsters and heroes talking about claire having to amputate james oh yes um that gets me every time just because claire is so horrified and so distraught and like she knows what she has to do but she doesn't want to betray Jamie in the doing of it and she knows how much he's going to resent her for her doing what she has to do mm-hmm. um and is it worth it like if he hates her for the rest of his life is it worth doing that or should she just let him go and so for me like and Brie being there to kind and of it be ties her into his board. his uh his not wanting to ever be left in a helpless state back in right. 503 when mm-hmm. he makes her give him his word, her yep. word or whatever about it and all that stuff. So right. really that was a great plant into mm-hmm. yeah. seeding that future moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't connect that back, but mm-hmm. um, it, it definitely was there for a purpose, you know, in that reason. Yeah. So. Well, and I even mentioned in my, my monsters and heroes episode, I said, you know, Claire makes him that promise. And then what you see in 509 is that, I don't really, she either a, she didn't really understand fully what she was promising to do or mm-hmm. B like, I don't think she would have held up her end of the bargain. Like I think she would have done what she had to do and mm-hmm. damn the torpedoes, but it's just yeah. like, she's I mean, not going to let him die. Exactly. You know, and yeah, let, if like, she can, if she can. And if you, if you go back to what she said, um, I'll, in do five what must be three, done. I'll do what must be done. Yes. Which isn't the same thing as right. I will do it. That was a weasel yeah. answer. Uh-huh. You know what yeah. I mean? That was an answer that gives you yeah. an out clause. <laughs> well, and I think that <laughs> a little bit. in terms of what Jamie was 
literally asking if he had had a stroke and he was beyond saving. Yes, she would have. She would have let him go. But this is different. And he's not seeing it the same way, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just very interesting how that like the complexities of all of that. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. Anyone on the board have thoughts on these things? Um, I know everybody's being very quiet. Everybody's being very quiet. I'm looking in. Biggest tearjerker for Ellen was Claire's rape and Myrta's death. You know, I didn't ever really cry with Claire's rape, but really? I think it's it's more so just because it's so horrible that I don't even think about crying because I'm just like so mentally stunned by it that it like tears are not the first thing that comes to mind. I get angry and I get, I'm horrified by it, but I'm not like a natural crier. Like I don't cry a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I have well, your category. Triggers, I <laughs> no, I know. Something. I know. Like, that's when, like, I have certain things that trigger me and do cause right, me right, to cry, right. but that's not one. I think it's even, it's not just the violence, but it's the, it's the fact of seeing her brought to this. Mm-hmm. It's that part of it. It's the part, yeah. like, you're used to seeing her so, um, I don't want to say strong because I hate the idea of saying strong, you know, but, but, um, you know, you're used yeah. to seeing her so in control and so, you know, mm-hmm. confident and so, you know, and to see yeah. her kind of brought into this point of groveling and, you know, yeah. of not groveling, but being on the ground and being treated like basic trash, you know, mm-hmm. it's very yeah. hard to, to see, you know. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, I mean, Roger I think... hanging, Palin <clears throat> said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just I... felt like, you know what, Palin, I, I, in the book, I'd say that was definitely one of the things for me but I feel like I feel like in the show it really got overshadowed the first part of it got overshadowed with Murta and then the second part of it was silenced out you know when they found him which mm-hmm. I really hated that choice yeah. I don't mind the silent thing all through but yeah. I didn't like it I for agree. that particular choice yeah. you know what I mean for when they pulled him down I would have liked that to play and get the emotion of that in real time in what's the word I'm looking for actually unstylized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put like, it that way, you know, normal. hearing Just Jamie normal. say yeah. the words of, you know, you're alive, you are whole, you know, all that, that whole thing. And, and, you know, Claire doing the surgery yeah. and him really being alive with Jamie, you know, like hit, mm-hmm. that whole interchange. Like I was so upset that was silenced out. Yeah. So I just felt like it totally, took down the emotional weight of it. You know what I mean? Because they kept anything that would show that kept getting squished down. So I think they were so concerned about making that episode about Roger that in a lot of respects, they took the emotionality out of it for every other character. It's not just him that went through it. It's the entire family. And while I think that they tried to like show Brianna's side of it a little bit, it's not, it's not just the Max that were affected by what happened mm-hmm. to Roger. And I think that that's kind of one um, not misgiving, but like shortcoming with the show is that, and I think they did well in like bridging this gap in season six, but seeing how the family is interconnected in all of those relationships. And it's Especially not just Jamie. I really Jamie, missed it with Jamie and Roger. Yeah. Jamie was so upset about what happened to Roger. And mm-hmm. I didn't like that, that, that the whole blow up with Tryon became about Murtaugh instead of Roger. Like all of that bugged me. 
to no end because it, it, you know, that was such a great moment for Mm -hmm. the Roger Jamie relationship was when you saw him be calling him his son and, you know, that's, did you give my son a chance to, you know, whatever, did you lay violent hands Mm -hmm. on him? So all of that to me was powerful for their arc and it just got taken away. So I, as much as I love the episode and I thought it was a great episode, um, there were things about it that bugged me personally as a book fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's put it that way. I feel like the thing about that episode and we can, we can talk about it more whenever we get to best and worst episodes, but Uh I feel like they had committed at that point. Like they had to, they had to see it through with the Myrta line and with how, you know, connected Jamie and Myrta are, it would have felt more jarring to the viewer to be like, okay, Myrta's dead. And now we're just going to switch gears. And it's like, it never happened type deal. Um, So I just feel like more so they were, they were committed at that point. Like they had to, they had to do what they had to do again at the expense of Roger. And I'm not going to sit here and say that didn't bug me either, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's really what it was. I just think they didn't really have a choice about it at that point because they'd already made their bed. Yeah. Did you really get it for me? Oh, you're such a good hubby. Hi, Tom. Everybody says. <laughs> Palin says, I don't care. Murta is dead for me since Kaladin. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Palin's see. a big Roger fan. So, well, I am just too. so you know. Um, yeah. So she's always going to kind of not like anything that this is in, in the process. Yeah. Um, I. I'm a I, I'm a Roger fan too, but I I love the show. So I mean, oh, I love the show too. I know, but like, I it's always like show first for me. I guess like I view the books. I hate as I hate the whole I hate the so. whole you got like this this or that thing. You know, I'm not yeah. about that. Like no, no, oh, I, I am, but I am books first. I but if I had are. to, but I but I like both. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love both. I just did all the adaptation right. series on the show, so I do love both. Yeah. Um, um, I was going to say something before we got on a tangent and I was, I can't remember. <laughs> um, it'll come back to you probably. Yeah. It'll come back to me when I'm re-listening to it. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, all right. Best and worst character arc. Oh, let's see. I'm interested to see what you guys that are watching have to say on this, especially for the me, worst ones. For me, for best, I put Roger. Um, okay. I picked it because I felt that they started Roger in such a bad place after season four, and he had so far to go, and that they did put some effort in, especially in the back half, to start improving their characterization of him. Plus, as a character, this season is a big arc for him to come to terms with what's his situ- what his situation is now to find his place to adjust to this life that now he's trying to go through he goes through a ton of trauma even though i think the show short changed the trauma a little bit because it's not permanent like it is that hanging was a huge thing in Roger's life so i just feel like his or in the book it's the Roger book you know but mm-hmm. the book version of fiery cross is is mainly like where Rogers is kind of meant to develop him. You know what I mean? And so, so they put Diana puts a lot for his arc in that book. So that's why I picked him. Um, 
For worst, I didn't put worst. Um, let me think. What would I say for worst? You're going to uh, laugh when you hear mine. <laughs> um, maybe Bree. I don't know. You know, yeah. not a lot was done for her. So they didn't do a lot to develop her, mm-hmm. you know, individually. Um, so I guess I'd say her, but I don't really, you know, I don't have yeah. a bad per se. That's what you said. Um, best I said, Why am Janie. I always going first? <laughs> because I said guests are first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, best I said, Jamie, because I feel like even though his arc oh, was Palin fabricated. That was Fergus, good. That's a good choice because yeah. he didn't get anything really. He just yeah. kind of. Yeah. Was undeveloped. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, Jamie, I know that his Jamie. his arc was a lot of it was fabricated from the books, but you know, I feel like it was very well done when you look at it from just the show perspective on it. Um, he does go through a lot, you know, from the initial, like he's walking the tightrope the entire first bit of the season. And eventually he gets to a point where he has to jump, which side is he going to be on? And I love that, you know, of course we all know Myrta died a Culloden. Yes. But with the bed that the showrunners made, I feel like the payoff was good for Jamie's mm-hmm. character in Ballad of Roger Mack. And I feel like that really kind of set his feet moving forward. And after you get through the whole regulator movement and all of that, it's not like Jamie's arc stops. Like then it really goes intense into the family side of his character and developing his relationships with not necessarily Brie, which still irks me, but Roger. And then you've got some really good Claire scenes. There's a couple of good Ian moments. So, um, I just felt like it was a good season for his And he has to like, make a decision to live and all of that. Yes. Kind, you know, like, yeah. So he mm-hmm. does have a lot of monumental moments. That's a good choice. That's a yeah. great choice. Um, I try to look on these questions. I tend to, mm-hmm. like, stay away from Jamie and Claire uh, <laughs> as much because I feel like I want to I want to highlight the other people. But but definitely, I think Jamie had a big arc in yeah. this for sure. Um, and then my worst because it was literally non-existent and this is the book reader coming out in me is the bugs. I like, uh, they were, they were there, but yes. I'm like, why are they there like, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a show watcher? So I just feel like they kick themselves in the, in the metaphorical nuts a little bit with the bugs because now they're trying to like bring them into the show a little bit in season mm-hmm. six. And like, it just doesn't fit because they should have started like developing their characters when they first appeared, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. that was worse for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Do you want me to go first for the next one? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, I was just teasing you. <laughs> you can go first. I don't care. It's a uh, best and worst costume. Okay. So I don't have an, uh, this is another one. I couldn't think of a worse um, <laughs> costume, um, but I have a lot of bests. <laughs> I know I did the best and worst because you like balance. And here I am with all the worst. <laughs> I know I, I I was trying to think, you know what? I needed to like rewatch everything and I didn't yeah, have time to I rewatch know. it all because I'm trying to remember worst. Um, but 
I have, I have them in categories. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> My choices. Sentimentally, um, the return of the kilt moment. Mm. Um, so that was my sentimental favorite, you know, mm-hmm. because that's also going to be in another thing. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk too much about that one. But some of my favorites were Marcelie's 60s, 70s outfit. Mm. One thing I really loved about the dreamscape was all the cool nods in everyone's costume. Young Ian was another one. There are nods in his costume to his mohawk life. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the sassy, sunny look of Marsley and the hip look. And it just fits her personality. And so, and I also love Bree's wedding dress. But um, one thing that the costume person says is that because they were in um, Claire's dream, they were in trying that what would Claire interpret their personality as in the costumes, because mm-hmm. this is just her dreamscape. Right. right? And so they fused that. And so um, young Ian, he comes in this, in this Marine costume, it's infantry actually. Um, and uh, he appears like real grown up. He has a, a a military element because he is a warrior, you know. He has little icons on his um, uniform that, like, it's where his medals would be, his mm-hmm. little honors would be. It's the wampum beads. He has the the mohawk little patch on his sleeve, mm-hmm. but yet, um, and then he actually is representing the infantry. Jordan, can you try to be quiet? She's all, it's also representing the infantry, um, which is like the first people in, you know, mm-hmm. like it's very, when you look at the meaning of all the different medals and stuff, there was a really great blog on um, Outlander Anatomy okay. that did um, where she went through all of the different insignias and what they represent. And in summary, um, it is that he's an infantryman, which is the first people on the ground, you know, to go into a battle. He's a decorated soldier. He served in combat. He's an expert marksman. These are what all these different things mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, wears his permanent coat of arms. And it's also, there's another thing that shows that he is a in a regiment or a, a um, district or whatever you want to call it, a unit, that's right, that's flexible that can move from one unit. He can be moved from one unit to another unit. And that's what that means. So all of mm-hmm. these like little detail in the costume reflected all these little nuances of Ian's personality and what he's used for and what his character means in the show. So I thought all that was so clever because I always look for that like yeah. purposeful costuming. Um, so those were the things I said. Yeah, that's neat. I didn't know any of that about Ian's costume, so that's really it's cool. A, I'll, I'll send you the uh, link, and you can check okay, it out. I think you'll awesome. find it very interesting. Yeah, I'm sure I would. I, I'll geek out about it. That's, that's you fantastic. Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my favorite was um, Jamie's leather duster, mm-hmm. because... It is so cool. And in that one deleted scene with the sword fight between Jamie and Roger, where he like turns and it like flaps up around him. Yeah, I'm so mad about that deleted scene. I'm sorry to bring it up. I know we're both bitter about it. (laughs) I'm bitter. I'm very bitter. Um, So 
Hey, and I just love the warm tones on Sam. Like they look, yeah. There's something about that coat always pops. And I love that they made a more modern cut of that coat for the dreamscape with yeah, the, the shorter like waist length. Um, just that all Claire the costumes kind of, are a story in the dreamscape. There's such there's yeah. such a cool element to everything that yeah. they did. Yes, for sure. Um, and then I also loved Bree's wedding dress. Um, normally, you know, when I pick dresses, it's because they're pretty and I just like how they look. But I really like the thought that was put into Bree's dress with mm-hmm. um, kind of blending the old with the new. And I talked about right. it a lot in my Fiery Cross episode. But um, she's got the thistle and the kilted underskirt with the tartan, which is kind of a hint to her heritage. But it's also a white wedding dress, which wouldn't have happened back in that time. They didn't start right. having white wedding dresses until uh, the 19th century when Queen Victoria chose a white wedding dress. So. Um, I just really thought for the same reasons that you like the macrame backdrop, that's why I liked Bree's wedding dress because it's mm-hmm. really showing the modern spin on an 18th century wedding. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, worst. And the only reason I say this is because when I saw this on screen for the first time, I was like, my God, that is hideous. <laughs> and it was, uh, Governor Tryon's wedding outfit. Like I... Oh. hated that thing and I was like I'm so glad he only wears it in like that one scene because I'm just I'm like trying to remember it now it's so gaudy it's like a cream coat with all these different color embroidered flowers but it's like a weird fabric that kind of clashes with the embroidery for the flowers and it's just like mm. and he's got a weird waistcoat on too so um it's very much almost like they're trying to flaunt their wealth kind of mm-hmm. type of gaudy like that's kind of how it it struck me which maybe that's how it was intended to be yeah. but um but anyway yeah that was my worst and and another one the ian thing um also his mohawk because that's the first time we see it oh yeah it's that's been cool. season five his whole mohawk look you mm-hmm. know even though now it's his normal look you know it was yeah. it was when we saw it it was the debut of yes. his mohawk look you know so that was also really cool i think you know mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie says, my comment on the costumes is that it irks me that the costumes are never dirty, not even the hems. Totally unrealistic. I've worked on costumes in films and we spend a lot of time trying to make them look realistic to the environment. Um, hmm. I can kind of see what you're saying, but also like with the brand new items. Yes, they do look very new, like what they wear to the weddings plural in this season and stuff like that they're meant to be new they're not they're they bought those specifically for those events um and but I can honestly say that there were a couple of scenes um and episodes in this season that I did notice the distressing of the costumes um one thing that particularly sticks out in my head well first off everything in 512 with the rescue scene all of those costumes are completely dirty and muddy um, but also in Journey Cake in 511, when Jamie walks into the scene with him and Brie at the table, if you look at his shirt, you can see pulls in the fabric and little stains. If you're watching like on a, um, I have a really big TV. So 
Um, that's probably why it's noticeable, but I did actually notice the distressing of the, of the costumes a little bit in this season. So, and I also noticed that sometimes they look dirty, like the white shirts. Yeah. They're not white. Yeah. They're not, they look off white or dirty Mm -hmm. white or whatever you want to call it sometimes, you know, especially Mm -hmm. if you see them working, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever. But I will say, like, I kind of do get what she's saying a little bit because yeah, like, they're everyday too. costumes. Because they're so into their visual. Instead of thinking, mm-hmm. well, visual is also accurately visual, but they want it to look good. They want things mm-hmm. to, like, be beautifully look, look beautiful. And so I it's, think... like, hard to do that when you're living out on, like, the backcountry. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, to you yeah. and relying on the, on the, um, on the landscape to provide things for you, you're going to get messy. You know what I right. mean? When you're out there splitting wood and digging holes mm-hmm. and making kilns and doing all these things, you know, so you're not yeah. going to look all stiffy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think that's a lot to do with the new designers that they have in season mm-hmm. five. Um, something that you do notice, like, I guess if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't even know what, probably notice but I did notice that things are very clean and sharp with this new costume designer and the new set um set designer for season six look at season one look how dirty the Highlanders were all the time you know um you definitely saw the dirt and the mud and the you know they even used to joke about it like we're back in the mud yeah exactly (laughs) and the the dirt you know um when they went from Paris back to the battle Mm -hmm. stuff remember they were making comments about that because it was like a completely night and day type of vibe you know but I think they did that intentionally to show we ain't in Paris no more you know exactly (laughs) like the contrast um yeah so i don't know that's just something that i kind of did notice with season five for the costumes and then season six for the sets was like there was just like um there was a visual difference like you can see a changing of the guard and i'm glad that they didn't do a new set designer in the same season as a new costume designer because i feel like that would have been really visually jarring like it would have been very noticeable so and that's also when they changed their um dp they got a new dp didn't they yes yes and so like you have that as well Mm -hmm. as a difference you know in the way that things are shot yeah so dp um, means director of photography for those of mm -hmm. you that don't know that abbreviation um and you really can tell in season six i won't go into it but um, just it, keep in mind that there are there is a new set designer and there is a new DP if you haven't seen season six yet, um, because it does have a, a different look to it. I mean, it's the same show, but it's very dark. So um, and I think especially that was, well, the Jamie Payne episodes are like that anyway. They're you like know, that even anyway. in season yeah. five, he films mm-hmm. that way. Right. Um, so those especially, I definitely see the, a lot of the inky mm-hmm. blacks and the, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see what people are saying. Veronica, I always got dirtier this season. (laughs) 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 Oh, you, Veronica, get your head out of the gutter. (laughs) Um, She says, I always appreciated the distressing and wear and tear of the costumes and the designers do talk about making sure to do that. Yeah, I know they do make an effort. I don't know whether it's like, Hmm. I don't know. And I will say that when I watch it on my 4K TV, it's more noticeable. Yeah. So I don't know if it just doesn't pick up on like phones or stream uh, everyday streaming devices. 
but I do notice it when I watch it on my TV versus my phone more, I would say. Um, so it makes me wonder if it's a matter of it not being there or if it's there, we just can't see it. So, um, Melanie says, another thing that bothers me is that they wear such heavy coats. I wish they could try to show lighter clothes for North Carolina. Yeah, Melanie, but where they live in North Carolina, it's cold. And you forget, this is 200, 200 years ago. So um, I was reading a post from Grandfather Mountain the other day, which is the very area where Fraser's Ridge is. And they said they've never had a day above 75 degrees. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, the summers are even pretty cool there, but yeah. it is. I, I definitely think, though, you know, I get what she's saying because mm-hmm. for me, it was more jarring in in season four because yeah. in season four they filmed over winter. They were oh, trying yeah. to sell ice and people breathing out, you know, cold smoke out of their mouth, you know, as September, <laughs> and I'm like on the coast. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, okay, I just, it was so, mm-hmm. it was, that it created a lot of cognitive dissonance, you know, when you're oh, looking yeah. at it and, 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 you know, telling you like writing on, on newspaper that's in a window, it's September 11th. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, you see Brie and Jamie meeting each other with puffs of smoke yeah. coming out of their face and they're bundled and they look like they're yeah. frozen <laughs> with the cold wind burn on their face, you know, and everything. So I said, yeah, it's hard to buy. Maybe we should have changed the date. <laughs> I wish, yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing about like those kinds of discontinuities is just change the timeline. If you know you're going to be filming in winter, don't try to pass it off as summer. Like just, no. just change the timeline like they did in season one. Like the books, it's meant to start in the summer of 1945. And they changed it to the fall of 1945 because they knew they were going to be filming in the fall, winter, and then the spring and summer, and they didn't want to have to film everything backwards. So just be cognizant. When are you going to be filming? If you're not going to be filming in the summer, then don't try to make it summer. Like we all know that Scotland does not like have a very long <laughs> time frame where it's warm. So yeah, I don't know. It's that's definitely my... a challenging place to film. I mean, oh, I think yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges for the show mm-hmm. is just filming because yeah. not only that, not only the cold, but you have the short days of winter. Like yeah. you don't have a lot of daylight, you know right. what I mean? In, in Scotland in the winter, you know? Yeah. So it's, it just causes a lot of, it um, does. and night shoots in the summer, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of night, you know? Right. So it's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of things they have to hurdles. They have to jump to stay in Scotland. Oh, yeah. Film. I wish they yeah. would come on over here. We all would love to like be able to be one of those, but they would get mobbed here. That's they what I was. That's exactly what I. They wouldn't have the piece they have there to film. Yeah. You know, I was like, could you imagine if they moved filming to the U.S.? Like, they would never get a day of peace ever. Never. Like, even when they were filming in the studios, there would be people standing outside hoping to get a glimpse of somebody when they coming were driving and going. In and out. It would yes. be very. It would be like annoying quickly for them. Yeah. Yes. Right. So you know, I just get occasionally why. people, you know, are there. Mm-hmm. So, but it would definitely be different. Yeah. yeah. When they're filming hey, outside Ray. or whatever, it's easy to like, you know, stand half a mile back and take little pictures, but, and not be too like overwhelming. Cause they're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I feel like people that haven't, and I feel like people that have been to Scotland, but a, a lot of times people that haven't been to Scotland, like I think they don't understand, especially if you're from the United States, which, Generally speaking, I mean, I know there are areas that are sparsely populated, but there are a lot of people in the United States. And in Scotland, there are more sheep than there are people like Mm -hmm. there are just 
so it's not hard to have privacy a lot of landscape yeah a lot of landscape it's just there are central cities you have Edinburgh and Glasgow and then you've got little towns and that's it mm-hmm. so it's not hard to have and so they had all those photos and stuff leaked from season seven and I'm I think that was new for them. Like they're not used to people like, just being like I wherever they're filming. Some of the stuff that got leaked. I, know. I couldn't believe it. Shame. I'm like that. I can't believe they didn't have better security than that. I mean, like, granted, there's a small part of me that's like, okay, give it, give me all of it, sure. But sure. also, like, I can't believe they didn't have better security than that because those were some like very important scenes that absolutely absolutely (laughs) it pretty much gave away a major spoiler you know um so i was just like amazed Mm -hmm. that they did that but i'm amazed that they actually filmed that so close like i'm surprised they filmed that first but i guess i guess it makes sense i guess i so from what i am guessing without giving any spoilers away i think they filmed 701 and 703 together like i think they filmed out of order yeah that makes sense because that's when i think that's going to happen too mm-hmm. so so um anyway <laughs> to avoid we're being spoilers, all cody we, we're being we, all cody <laughs> we'll continue before somebody stay splits. tuned for our what's the common season seven yes. episode way down the road <laughs> where we're just gonna put in red letters in the description Spoilers included. <laughs> included, yes. Yes. Um, Veronica um, says, yeah, so I think we're at- there. They can't forbid taking pictures. No, they can't. And Scotland has a right to roam law. Um, so literally, they can't shut things down at all. So but can't they quarantine off like an area where they can't, you can't get close enough to, to film? If you have enough security to do that. But mm-hmm. if you're filming out in the middle of nowhere, it's not always easy to like partition things off. Um, because literally, like, there is no such thing as private property over there. Like you could literally walk on anybody's property and camp for the night and they can't say a dang thing to you about it. So mm-hmm. um, so I think it's a very gray area. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, all right, let's continue on you are on musical moment yes i think i know what yours is and it's probably the same as i mine. have a so couple i have a couple. i have one so would you like me to go since i only have one actually wait a minute let me just see oh i have a non-score and a score moment oh <laughs> wasn't there only one non-score moment in i said five? i love well i mean it, this actually is somewhat in the score gotcha. i said I I loved Roger singing Clementine to Jim mm, and yeah. uh, and really all the Roger singing moments. And they gave us a lot of Roger singing moments um, because they wanted to highlight the loss of his voice. So in the mm-hmm. first like seven episodes, he's singing in almost all in the some time, way, yeah. shape or form in every episode. We have the Jeremiah mm-hmm. with the well, even if it's a little short thing, yeah. you know, we have the stuff he did in Brownsville, you know, all mm-hmm. along the way you see him using his voice and they did that intentionally. But I was yeah, give it to give, me, you give know? me, give me, give me, yeah. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give all that. But I really love the Clementine one, you know. Um yeah. and the love, you know, all of that stuff in the I first love, episode. Yeah. And, I love um, the joy to the world one. 
Because I love how he was like, but you're not a bullfrog, a are bullfrog, you, Jeremiah? Are you, Jeremiah? <laughs> that was really cute, yes. Um, and then I said, if I'm talking score, I have to go with episode one and the Mox Nadine song. I know I'm probably butchering how that's pronounced, but that's what I have. <laughs> Mox and Medine. Mm-hmm. Mox and Medine, I think I is think what that's it, right. I say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, song gave me chills because we re- when we revisited that trunk opened um, to reveal Jamie's old kilt and then him walking out to those men and which is very jaw dropping. And, and it's like, um, what we have wanted, mm-hmm. you know, we've been wanting to see this Jamie and it was kind of like, you got a feeling like, okay, we're turning a page and bringing the Jamie that we're seeing mm-hmm. from the books, the lair, the protector, the calling people, his sons and his men and, you know, leaving the red coats that they're kind of gobsmacked and mm-hmm. all of that. It was just a real critical turn in the story and the music bringing that back to like, okay, we're getting our, or Jamie back, you know, it kind of gave you that vibe. So yeah. that's what I have. Yeah, that was my mu- my favorite musical moment too. Um, there's okay. just something so powerful about it. And like, they started out so chill with just the drums and you're like, this feels really familiar. <laughs> and then he starts singing and you're like, oh, yeah. But it's funny because even like, not huge show watchers that rewatch over and over like we do. Um, like my mom, she's seen every episode once, maybe twice. If I'm if I'm watching it, she'll pause and watch for a couple minutes. But when she watched that episode, she was like, I just love that music. And I said, Well, you know what that song is, right? And she was like, Well, I said, it's from Preston Pans in season two. And she was like, oh yeah that makes sense because I love that (laughs) I love all of that and I said yeah it's just that whole episode honestly was so good about marrying the old world with the new and that's really was the theme of that episode was we're in this new they were a lot of thematic there was a lot of thematic episodes Mm -hmm. um in that season you know yeah um that you saw Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very much like we're in this new place, but we're still the same people and like we can create our own mix. And it's so interesting because you see it happening in the show, but to an extent, you still see it today. Like the the roots that these people put down and the traditions that they started are still there 200 years later. So mm-hmm. for the show to kind of play into that, I thought was just fascinating. That's one and of the reasons And it was a good way to bridge people that, you know, yeah. miss Scotland. People like that's mm-hmm. one of the big complaints among uh, some people. I just addressed a comment about this just today earlier um, that missed getting all the Scotland stuff and wait, you know, are we going to get Scott, you know, don't you feel like, you know, Diana overweighted, mm-hmm. um, you know, Scotland, America stuff to the Scotland stuff. And the thing is, like you said, that's the way it's still infused in the story because mm-hmm. it's carried over because yeah. you are still Scottish, but you're Scottish American now. And well, you're not American because it's not like yeah. there yet really, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they brought, who their identity mm-hmm. and infuse this new identity with their old identity. And it comes out all over the place, even in just the layered vibe yeah. of Jamie of this ridge, yeah. you know, and, and still having like kind of like quarter days where mm-hmm. everybody comes and pays the rents and all of those different little customs and, right. and traditions and all of that stuff of that feels Scottish 
comes into the show. And I, you see Meryl and company and um, Matt and company always trying to infuse as yeah. much as they can into the mm-hmm. show. They did a lot in season six as well. A lot of infusion yeah. of, of Scotland and old Scotland and with the mm-hmm. Bonnie Prince Charlie's, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but, but you know, with the things they infused in season mm-hmm. six, you see them always, even though we're in America, always trying to infuse right. season six, season, um, Scotland into, into the show, season, even right. though it's in America. So yeah. That's one thing that I loved about getting to see Jocasta's story at the beginning of Better to Marry Than Burn. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. my favorite episode by a long shot, but I really loved that, A, we That got was my background. favorite part of that yeah. episode. And it, for I me. really, it informed her character a lot, but it also, I mean, as if we needed reminding, but it's like, this is where this show started. And I thought it was very poetic, almost, mm-hmm. that we keep coming back to that time frame in like in relation to all of our characters, like that was a critical moment for so much of our main cast. And throughout the series, we see where everybody was at that point in exactly. time. And, and so. we, and things that it's things that, uh, that we didn't see because mm-hmm. we were so hyper-focused into what Jamie and Claire were doing. We yep. didn't see all the other ancillary things. So mm-hmm. it's, it's still new information, exactly. even though it's, even though it's, we knew it cognitively. We never actually saw it. It'll play out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I really like that. The other thing, the other musical thing, you made me think of it when you said drums, um, is in the finale, I love the choice of that boom, 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 as they kind at the of beginning? did the, at the beginning. Yeah. Because, you know, it was their answer. Because in the book, there's a whole that it, when they when they do the rescue for those of you that haven't read the book um when they do the rescue it starts out that claire hears bodrins you know or bowens or however you say it you know and she hears that boom boom because it was considered a war element you know when um in the in scottish history and so they use them actually to intimidate their enemies and confuse them and stuff and so they actually do that in the book as part of her rescue and they couldn't really do that because you know roger you know roger was playing one and another person was playing another and they were confusing um the the people of what direction they were coming from and so they couldn't do that in the show um and so this was their way to infuse that idea in that 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 feeling of being of tension you know, that that brings, they did it in the beginning instead. And you still felt the tension of that because of the way it was played. It gave you like that, boom, 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 you know, of like, of this intent, impending doom. And I kind of like the way that was used. And it's like a minor thing, a small thing, mm-hmm. but I like the way it was used. It was really cool. Um, and that's interesting that that's like, was your interpretation of it? Um, cause I didn't even think about that. I, the way that I interpreted it was like, you know, when you're really on an adrenaline rush and you go into like hyper-focus and like everything but your own heartbeat just tunes out. That's how I took it when it's like in panic mode and like, she's just hearing her own heartbeat. That's what reminded me. That's what that mm-hmm. reminded me of. So anyway so yeah, but that's cool it, like it makes sense what you're saying yeah too, because, because it was the kind of the open it was when mm-hmm. she was rescued that was the first thing that she yeah. heard was that boom mm-hmm. boom, yeah. boom boom of the of the confusion of the drums and now we're starting this episode it's the first thing we're hearing right. as we're seeing everything that brought us to this point and mm-hmm. it was kind of like, i thought it was a 
I thought it was a great little nod and I mm-hmm. thought it was great to create the tension going yeah. into that episode. Right. Um, so I like that too. Lots of musical moments, but then again, we know we got the bear flare. So how can we not have a lot of great yeah, musical I mean, moments? This show is so That's full like, of fantastic musical ah. elements. And I mean, I think that the dreamscape goes without saying that, like, I really did like that choice of music. I know it wasn't their first choice, but right. um, I felt like it was, it, it fit with the episode really well. Um, and it, it served more, it wasn't just like the lyrics were accurate, like time period wise, it was very accurate, but also it's like that, like audio cue, like whenever you hear that bump, 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 like, and you're just snapped back into, okay, th- this isn't real. And yes. this is like, it's yes, just it does make a great little cue. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So it does. And the coloring, I, I, you know, I, I asked Chelsea before we did this show, if we did to like, I wanted to have like a category of, of cinematic moment or something, because they really did a lot of cool um, visuals and stylizations and interesting filters on Mm -hmm. things. And, and that was one that just the coloring of it and the way that it was filmed and, and, and just all of that um, was really cool in this, in that episode. Um, I just figured we would end up talking about it anyway. We would. Over the and course we did. of everything. So I'm like, that way, like, it'll just be organic. We'll just discuss it'll be organic. everything that we like. Yeah. yeah. I still got it in my, my yeah. no, it's, it, it's, I do love all the filming stuff, you know. I it love looking at how things were shot. Season, it really was. Like, um, I, I think that's part of the reason that I liked it so much because it was mm-hmm. such a warm season. Like, I love warm tones anyway. And mm-hmm. that was really like the colors that you got and the vibe you got off of how it was shot and like the particular lenses and lighting and stuff that was used versus it's such a sharp contrast to season six because season six was so cold and washed out for most of the season, which made sense given that it's based off of a book called A Breath of Snow and Ashes. But, <laughs> but you know, like I just love the look of season five overall. And they definitely but you understand had, too the 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 theme of the fiery cross. season five. That, well, no, but the theme is community, so it's supposed mm-hmm. to feel warm. You know, yeah. it's supposed to feel very connective and warm and all of that kind of stuff. And the opposite theme is true for season six, mm-hmm. where it's what happens when everything fractures and your community right. comes apart. So you're supposed to have this coldness. Yeah. And this separation and I, you know, kind of feeling. So I guess it goes with what their, what their vibe is. You just like the warm vibe better, of course. Right. It's like, of course we all want to be warm and fuzzy and happy, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's some pretty we dark want the hug. We want the hug. Visual hugs. <laughs> I want a visual hug. Yes. A visual hug. <laughs> Give me all the love. Uh um, says, all the creative touches makes me anticipate plus worry a bit about what they will try for season seven. I'm at, I, I, Ruth, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm excited, really nervous. but I'm a little nervous because one of the reasons why season six was so good was because they didn't have a lot of episodes. So they had to stick to the book. It was the most like the book um, season where they didn't do all up on a lot of invention. And um, I worry with having extra episodes, you know, are that is that going to be like, oh, well, now we can just invent all kinds of crap because we got extra episodes. I hope they don't do that. I'm hoping that they stick 
to the story more because um, I really love yeah. it when they do it. it to I me, know. it just it makes a difference, you know. I don't know. In season six, I almost felt like felt like they tried to put too much into too few episodes. That was mm-hmm. almost like my feeling on it. So mm-hmm. I wish it could be a happy medium. Like I feel like there were a couple of things that could have been taken out of season six that maybe would have given us more time to breathe. Maybe mm-hmm. um, there were a couple of episodes that just felt like, oh my god, what is happening and why is this in here and who's this person and like you know really. Um, and then, then you have yeah. some people that felt it was slow. So it's like I know it, it gets... I don't I don't understand the people that thought it was slow. I'm like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I you mean, not, see, to did me, you... it felt like well paced because being a lot of character work, and that's mm-hmm. why people felt it was slow because it was a lot of character work and like expanding the characters a little more, right. delving into their psyche mm-hmm. more, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that it was needed because they tend to gloss over that. Because yeah. my God, look at season three. Season three was like, especially the back half, oh, yeah. was like a flying whirlwind. And the finale was just like, you couldn't rest in any of it. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I love this finale because it, it gave you time. Yeah. In the middle of the finales, mm-hmm. you had these moments where you had your rest moments. You didn't have that yeah. in some of the finales. So maybe anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess we can talk about it. When we get to our season six episode of And I said we weren't going to ramble. <laughs> Honey, I knew that was, there was no use in saying that, even if we're making it a point because it's us, okay? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, um, all right. So biggest, biggest, biggest scene stealer. stealer. Um, okay. So on the positive, I have a tie. I have a positive and a negative. I'm wondering if I can guess who your negative is. I think you can. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On the positive, I have a tie. Marcely, um, who is, to me, even for her to make a bright spot in that autopsy scene, like, to me, like, that she just, in every scene she's in, she just really brightens up the scene. You know, she just makes it great, you know, and I, I just think she's been like a secret weapon for the show. Um, so I, I gave her a nod on it. And I also picked young Ian, even though we only mm. get him for five episodes. He's really great in those five episodes. And I love all his scenes. Yeah. I love it from the minute he comes in shooting that um, shooting that boar and making his grand entrance. The scene where he's told um, the mm. truth. You know, um, the scene where he gets up in Jamie's face, you know, and tells Jamie, you know, about his father and all that. So there was a lot of pivotal scenes around Ian. um, Mm -hmm. And so I really thought he was great, too, in this in this season. On the negative side, meaning stealing scenes at the expense of others. (laughs) Murta. That's what you said last season, too. But this season, this season, that whole first half of the season was about the, the farewell to Murta at, at you know, and it, it cost yeah. Roger a lot, you know, okay. on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I kind of begrudge it. But that's, when you said scene stealer, I, I was know. like, okay, well, he did steal a scene. Now, I will have probably sense. negative for season six. <laughs> I won't have a negative. That's funny. Um. <laughs> Before I go into mine, um, Veronica had an interesting comment um, about. We all can guess. She says, <laughs> <laughs> uh, "This was about her biggest tearjerker moment." She says, uh-huh. "Totally out of order and way too late." But I just remembered what my biggest crying scene is. 
when Claire realizes that Jamie is dying, it doesn't matter that I know that Jamie is going to be okay, be fine. His her terror and despair just really get me. Even writing this gives me a lump in my throat. That was really oh, yeah. That was that was um uh, that was yours too. That kind of that scene. It's it, a similar vibe. Part of that, yeah. I think she's talking about like the actual like when he says Sassanac touch me. And, oh, like okay, that whole yeah. scene. Yeah, that was but, a yeah, big that, moment. That whole episode, man, it was so good. Um, the healing handy. <laughs> I know, right? Whenever, um, literally, what I will always remember about that is that, so Outlander cast, I've only, like, I've written in a couple of times, the only time they've ever read my comment is about the handy. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'm like, of course. That's the only freaking <laughs> comment on that podcast that will <laughs> what was the comment. I'm curious now. Um basically just talking about why it makes sense. Cause I know like B- Blake was poking fun at it. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, on a medical sense, it literally makes sense that she would do that. Like if your blood pressure is bottoming out, what's a surefire way to get a guy's blood <laughs> like blood up, you know? Like mm-hmm just saying sexual stimulation and skin to skin contact seems well, like a know, pretty solid answer uh, uh, Two, a lot of people the show people are not getting that she's an empath too that right. she has that in her you know mm-hmm. um again it's growing you yeah. know and that part of the like a scene to show that so mm-hmm. you know they haven't really showed this they they try to downplay the supernatural side of the story you know, but there is a lot of super, there is little supernatural yeah. elements all through the story, and, and so it gets more. I know more Tony so. has said yeah. he wants to play it down, but I felt like saying oh, it's going to get harder as time goes by, yeah. lady. You know, it literally <laughs> is like it gets so ingrained in the story, yep. especially if you make it to like nine. It is front and center for a lot of nine, like the supernatural mm-hmm. element of the series. So, um, yeah, it's going to get harder and harder to kind of downplay that but um anyway my biggest scene stealer I hesitate to say Lord John because he's such like he's not really I don't know but then you said Marsley so I'm like and you said Ian so I'm like I love John and I think David Barry does a fantastic job and even though a lot of his scenes were surface level this season um, I felt like he just when did, he comes he does... on, you get kind of a boost when you yes, see him. Exactly. Like, and they always kind of show him that way, almost like mm-hmm. this reveal, like Lord John has arrived, yeah. you know. <laughs> it kind of gives yeah. you that they make him show, they always like give him like an entrance, you yes. know what I mean? Uh-huh. And whenever they bring him onto the scene, almost like, okay, sit up and pay attention now. Lord John's here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's yeah. kind of the vibe you get. Especially um, his so. scenes with Brie. Like, I just uh they're so good. I love those scenes. I don't know why those are like my favorite Lord John scenes. Like they should be his scenes with Jamie, in my opinion. Those should be your favorite ones because those are the most important ones. And no, it's always the scenes between Sophie and David that stand mm-hmm. out the most to me, I feel like. I love their scene in 5.11. Oh, yeah. It was so good. Yeah, I really love that scene. Um, yeah. And when, you know, he's, I loved when he said, um, it was your father's idea. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> She's like, you know, that's a good idea. And it was your father's idea. <laughs> Honestly, one of my favorite Brie and John scenes was uh, in Famous Last Words when she's like, I don't need land. I need my husband back. And like, 
<laughs> you just know off screen, John's like, I got this. <laughs> like, you know, and he's so, oh, sometimes we must have patience. And I'm like, <laughs> I love him so much. Anyway, I so. do, do. I'm really hoping they bring him front and center and oh, in yeah. in se- not front and center, but you know right. more front. Um, let's put it that way in season seven. And I want this spin off so bad. I hope we get it. Do you think we're gonna get that announcement? What do you know. think we're getting for World Outlander Day coming? I up? don't know. I know it's like a couple days away. Um. The optimist in me would like to say that we're going to get a season eight announcement. The pessimist in me says season seven is going to be the final season. Well, that would be a terrible thing to announce on World yeah. Outlander Day. I, I don't know, think but, they'd announce well, that on World Outlander Day. Season, that would be a major bummer. <laughs> I know, but last season, they that's when they announced that season six was only going to be eight episodes on World Outlander Day. Yeah, but Day. then they, they, they flip-sided it by saying we're going to get 16 for season seven and i don't for, see how they're flip siding it's over after seven they're not there's nothing yeah. that le- maybe but then we're doing this spinoff yeah exactly that could be the thing yeah okay well um well i just feel like yeah uh, they said yeah but we're getting 16 episodes in season seven and then i spent the next three months on social media fighting with everybody about how we're still getting the same amount of episodes so people are gonna panic no matter what it is but <laughs> i really hope that six well if they do make season seven the end they're gonna have to change the end because it I, can't end yeah, like oh the way the book ends. No. It's like on four different cliffhangers at the end of the book. The, so they're going to the, definitely have to close up some of those things. The only or not thing that I them. can see it, if they're going to make seven, the last one talking around spoilers mm-hmm. is cutting out the middle section of the max story mm-hmm. and like bringing that to a close, like, you know, Making basically the way the book in, eight ends, how book seven ends somehow. Yeah. I just That's don't feel like do. without that ending, but you do I don't have see a, how... a revolution that you're working around there, you know, and know. there's a lot to that and that takes time. So oh, I know. It, it's hard. You know, now that you are on a historical, it gets harder with them to fudge around on timelines when you're, when you're rolling with historical events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now they're going to be very pigeonholed on how things are shown because you've got to account for time, you yeah. know, that, that these events are on certain periods of time you know certain dates veronica had a good idea Hmm. she says on world outlander day maybe they'll announce that they're splitting season seven and giving us the first half early well that would be a welcome thought that would be a good one Mm -hmm. that would cool i would would take it i would take it heck yeah heck yeah um uh, so anyway. that's who you have the you have um so you have i have lord john but also john. robin scott as little germaine is so cute <laughs> and with that in seat in the season five premiere when he's <laughs> the heretic one <laughs> grandparent don't and touch he my hair really good he did really good on that for a little kid <laughs> It was so perfect. Like he was the epitome of a scene stealer in that moment. And then Roger's so like, Roger's like, your father thinks I'm a heretic. No, don't take it personally. He thinks all Presbyterians are heretics. 
And I loved when he told, I love when he told Jacasta to cram it up your butt bunghole or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Oh, uh, anyway. So he was my real scene stealer. Cause I feel like in the literal sense of the word. And then I also, Marsley had some really good ones too, where she like, mm-hmm. like the Lord have mercy moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. All right, most romantic. Let moment. me move my let me move my cursor down. I uh, wore go. my very fitting Freedom and Whiskey T-shirt today because mm-hmm. you know it's Memorial Day weekend, one of my favorite weekends of the year. I'm so excited! Really? Yeah, the Indy 500 is always on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, most romantic moment. I have a couple. Yeah. Me too. How could you not really like <laughs> I said it's a three-way tie between birthday sexy time, window sexy time, and R and B in five oh nine. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, all that. Just sprinkle it on top. Yep. Um I loved the midnight stroll between Jamie and Claire in the oh, company. Yeah. That was a good one. I forgot really about that, one. but that's a good one. That scene hit me, hits me in the feels every time I watch it. Just like, <laughs> um, just cause it brings so much up with what this couple has been through, you know, and that they never got to be parents together. And like, even though that's kind they're not like in that season of life anymore that like there's still that desire there to like experience that together um but the at the end of the day like it's just not the right time and that there are other people that like need this little baby more than they do you know like yeah oh it's such a sweet moment um and then i love the back porch scene in the finale between them uh where yeah i see i went off for the nookie stuff (laughs) (laughs) well i did include stable sex and birthday sex in my favorite and worst best and worst scenes so i just stuck that up there but um yeah the porch scene in in never my love where you finally see jamie like like claire willingly touch jamie for the first time after what happened and um you know she says I love you and that's not something that you really hear Claire say a lot so it's just like oh man just on so many levels that was such a good scene so yeah Mm -hmm. those are my most romantic moments um yeah okay that's my going best and worst episodes um so my favorite episode of the season was Ballad of Roger Mack I love that episode. That makes my top five episodes of Outlander ever. So, um, yeah, I love that episode. I went back to my notes and my deep dives to see uh, which episode I scored highest. Mm -hmm. And my objectively non-biased thing, I would say 507. Mm -hmm. I scored it 4.95 as an episode, um, but it tracked lower on the adaptation score. You know, because mm-hmm. I do two scores. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I scored high on both scores on 509. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I average the scores, 
I would say 509. If I said yeah. just strictly as an episode of television, right. I would say 507. So, which I enjoy, the one I enjoyed more, I'd say 509. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, I wouldn't put those two in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it is just a bias of joy that Roger is finally shown as a hero mm-hmm. um, and more accurately. But I did, I did love a lot. I love the beginning of it, as I've already said, you know, um, I love the, the moments between, I love that we bring, we get like a, a movement of everyone's roles, mm-hmm. you know, being more defined in that yep. episode, um, including Bree is an, an invention that saves Jamie and, you know, Roger and the type of strengths that he has to bring to the table and Jamie recognizing it. So there's a lot of other elements besides just the Roger and right. Jamie conversations, but I also love those. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I like that he finally like, you know, kind of appreciates Roger mm-hmm. and what he brings to the table. And I'm just yeah. like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, <laughs> I know. It really was a phenomenal episode. And that was one mm-hmm. that um, I, I had to, um, I had really high expectations for that episode. So it was one that was a letdown for me on the first watch, just because I think I honestly, like looking back on it, had unrealistic expectations for that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it I really is more. a phenomenal episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you go for it. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I had. Wait a minute. Ah, I have two other ones I want to talk about. Okay. Um, 511, um, Diana's episode. Um, I love the way she utilized her peanut butter and peanuts through the whole episode as a thread. Um, I think the whole cast brought their A game. I think they felt almost like an A because she wrote it, maybe they all wanted to bring their best game to it because they Mm -hmm. all had great performances. Um, and, um, that that scene with the burned victim, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 scene with with uh, Roger and and Jamie, you know, praying over the little girl, and there was just like so many really great heart based book moments mm-hmm. and heart based scenes and emotional scenes, and I just thought that Diana really communicate, of course, Diana communicated right. the vibe of, of her books mm-hmm. and the emotional element of them. So I, I love that scene as well. Um, and it was really all about the idea of severance and departure. And um, we get a little bit of Ian setting up for season six, you know, and we get a little more on what's his story. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really loved all of that stuff, this whole, and then we counterpoint all that with Rod, with um, Jamie and Claire and their love moments and their Mm -hmm. intimacy moments, which we got quite a bit in that, Mm -hmm. in that episode. Um, And then we end with that big, huge action moment. Uh, tension moment of what happened so that really had like a great because a lot of times penultimate episodes are a disappointment yeah. a little bit you know and so I thought this really kind of gave you a little bit of everything from heart to action to mm-hmm. book moments and iconic moments and all of that kind of stuff in some way and then like the peanut butter was like the glue that held it all together you know from the beginning when they were getting peanuts and talking mm-hmm. about it in the wagon you know all the way yep. to the little journey cake 
and 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 him saying, you know, you want to fix your boots with this or something like that. You know, yeah. uh, I can't remember the exact line, um, but um, so I like that as well. <clears throat> that was my um, favorite Lan- episode to podcast about in season uh, five. It was such yeah. a good episode. It was. And then yeah. I said, this is one that this is my sleeper one. I want to call <laughs> it because it's the one that people don't really talk a lot about, mm-hmm. um, but because it's kind of buried in the, in the section of the story that isn't as good. Um, but I said the artistry of 503, mm-hmm. um, which is the one about the Beardsley cabin, you know, um, first of all, Jamie Payne directed it. So anything Jamie Payne mm-hmm. does, I love anyway. Um, but it really, it was very true to book. It really showed, it was, it really showed a lot of the negative effects of no community of not having a community and that aspect of it. Um, I thought the performances, especially Jamie's, was extremely powerful um, in that episode. I actually wrote a blog piece. It was the only episode that I wrote a standalone blog on talking Mm -hmm. about the gothic element, the gothic Mm -hmm. horror element of that episode. Um, And I have, have, if you can, like, let me say, I have um, a little bit of of Diana quote on this episode. she says, the end of the episode where Jamie clearly sees what needs to be done and proceeds to do it is both chilling and deeply moving. Claire being who and what she is has been fighting hard as possible to save this evil man's life, even though seeing clearly and more clearly as she hears his wife's story, what he is and knowing his physical state is hopeless. But it is hopeless, and Jamie quietly takes the responsibility of decision out of her hands. It's a powerful scene of and Jamie's quiet, matter-of-fact words against the wrenching, constrained feeling in his face as he goes through the brief ritual asking Beardsley's consent to free him from his temporary hell at the risk of sending him to a permanent one versus the silent blinks of a wicked man who refuses any thought of forgiveness is intense. But this is mercy and justice. And whatever it costs Jamie personally, he sees it as his job. And he feels the horror of the Beardsley situation and understands the desperate need to resolve it. Violence to him is a tool and one he can use under many different circumstances. Fueled by adrenaline in the heat of battle and even if filled with normal dread beforehand, calculated to achieve an aim. These are all the different ways he uses Mm -hmm. violence. Um, Or reflexive to deal with an emergency or a threat. He understands violence. And after life with Claire, he understands the effects that violence has on the person who uses it because she under, mm-hmm. you know, she has to do it for healing. Count Claire is normally the counterweight to these effects. Both of them appreciate the fact that what each of them does is necessary for them and their family to survive. And both of them appreciate what the other does. In this situation, what Claire does, healing, isn't sufficient to deal with it. The responsibility for action passes to Jamie's hands and both Claire and Jamie tacitly accept it. One of the most moving parts of this scene and brilliantly acted by both Sam and Katrina is the end where Jamie tells Claire what he thought about his father's death and his new fear that his father might have lingered like Aaron Beardsley and that his fear is the same thing might happen to him one day. And he asked Claire if that should be the case Will she give him the same mercy he's just given Beardley? Kill him to save him from prolonged suffering. And she can she, the confirmed healer, 
searches his face for a long moment and says simply, I'll do what I must. So that's where they are going forward. So Mm -hmm. I, I like that because it really highlights why she loved that episode. And I think it, it's just a very deep episode, mm. you know, very heady. And so a lot of people kind of think of it as a, you know, like a write-off and who are these people and why do we care? But I thought it was just very artfully done. Oh, yeah. And it really showed a lot of character work for Jamie Claire. So I picked those four as like, I know like the finale, of course, was great. I didn't want to mm-hmm. pick that because it was, you know, more of an obvious thing. Um, but those other ones were all ones that I really enjoyed. Plus the premiere. Yeah. I, I love like that premiere. thought that he uses violence as a tool. Like that's very, mm-hmm. that's very apt description. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's honestly. I hope like, you didn't mind me reading that. No, no, it's fine. Um, it's it just got me thinking because that's really a theme that you see throughout this season in Mm -hmm. a lot of our characters, not just Jamie is um, the use of violence for, as a means to an end, like Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it may be, whether it's killing for mercy or killing for war or killing, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting that that's something they really focus on very heavily actually in the back half of the season from like six Oh seven through the finale this season six season set uh, season five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you, you get six Oh seven is the battle of Alamance and then five from, you were confused because you keep yes, saying six Oh seven. Five Oh seven. Yeah. Five Oh seven. You get the battle of Alamance and then mm-hmm. um, it just kind of continues on. Not really any killing in this 508. But then you get um, whether or not Claire's going to let Jamie die. That that really, that struggle with violence and how are you going to... Um, and amputation is, in a yeah, sense, doing right. violence, you know, exactly. for healing. Yeah. Uh, so, because that's one thing she always talks about is that that's a, that's a point of Jamie and Claire mm-hmm. is they both use violence in different ways, to, in different ways, yes. you know. Um, so I, I like that, too. You yeah. know, um, I thought that was very insightful. Yeah, Diana, it is. That's why I wanted to share yeah, it. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and nobody just... talked about that episode, mm-hmm. but I thought it was very well done. Yeah, it's a, I, honestly like most of season five was very well done in its own way. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of episodes that they do stand out for different reasons. There mm-hmm. are a lot of standalone episodes in the first half, especially I feel like after you get to five Oh seven, they're more cohesive and tell like a story moving forward because it's more about like the family and that mm-hmm. connection versus like the individual plots that are going on outside of the family and their bond to each other. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I feel like for sure that was very interesting. I was very lost in your narration. I, it got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels were turning. Um, so, what was your worst episode? Worst episode, without a doubt, for me uh, was five hundred two with five hundred six being a close runner-up, nearly tied. Agreed. Um, I I just. Those two episodes were so out of character and so I, I just was one of those ones where you go, what the hell am I watching? What are we doing? <laughs> yes. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing uh, here? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> I get my Dorothy girl. Forget about it. Um no, seriously, that the autopsy was terrible. The whole 
joining this guy to hunt down Murta. I hated that. Uh, you know, I hated the 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 whole thing with Wiley and how Claire was just st- doing this whole thing without even talking to Jamie about it first. It didn't make any sense. So much didn't make sense about and five that she's six literally either. scared of him. Five like, o- am I right? Five, five o- o- six. Five o- six. Yeah. Claire's literally scared of him trying to get away from him and then all of a sudden she's like oh do you want a whiskey partnership I'm like and and, and giving him like the flirty faces yeah no no wonder he I, thought she was leading him on like I don't yeah anyway um five I o- not, like that yeah. got so butchered you know Ugh. and then I and then even the I thought then then they tried to find something for for Roger and and I just felt like that felt weak to me. Yeah. Um, even though it was okay, I mean, it was a better part of the episode for me. But it w- it was weak, you know. I just I just didn't like either one of those episodes. Um, uh, they were my lowest scoring ones in the yeah. when I did my ratings. So for me too, um, five hundred two was a a worse episode for me. Me too. Um, that was number one worse. Yeah, because. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, A, it was all fabricated plot line. And I feel like it really felt that way. Like a lot of times I try to isolate it and watch the show just as the show. Um, But that was one that as a show watcher watching it, I was like, this feels really off. Like it's just kind of like somebody winged it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And a lot of the things that were happening felt very out of character for a lot of our characters. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't just one person that had a storyline that was a little iffy. It was right. like a lot of thing, a lot of holes, I guess. Um, especially for Murta, and like you know, and that's saying something because his character in general is ba- is a is in large part a creation of the show. So for you to have a character that literally exists within his own mythology and his own bubble, and for you to take him in and feel out of character in a show that's fabricated and not based on book, like that really shows a disjuncture, I think, between whoever was writing this episode and where the show was trying to go. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as far as 606, I think there were, were a lot of holes and like a lot of, for me, it just felt like we were being implausible. A lot of that one felt implausible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It it just felt like there was so many things that didn't make sense yeah you know mm-hmm. um or that they contradicted themselves within yes. the episode um that was another thing you saw a lot in that episode mm-hmm. like I, I just it just That's, felt you know what the yeah. problem is with that is that it changed so much from mm-hmm. what the book was that they didn't know what to do with it you know yeah. what i mean it almost felt like that because so much that happened in the book that happened at river run got pulled out um yeah. so it it kind of left, okay, well, we still got to do this thing at River Run. Now, what are we going to do? And it kind of felt like they tried to hodgepodge something. Um, and I don't understand why felt they felt flat. like they had to remove Roger and Bree from the wedding. Like, I don't understand, like, the whole, like, River Run They had Run removed story Roger line. and Bree from every single River Run thing. I just and don't... every time you're supposed to see them together with the Frasers, the Max and the Frasers together, even in season six. They've separated them. And I really hate that they're doing that because that's going to bite them. Yeah. When they, you know, and you know what I'm saying in yeah. season seven, it needed to be that you needed to show how close and bonded the, the family element. 
That's and and yeah. you just constantly are separating them. Mm-hmm. It's by taking them away from these meaningful moments, yeah. like the Jemmy's birth in season mm-hmm. four, like um, some of these other major moments that that they were all together for mm-hmm. um, are now like the lice thing in season yep. six. You know, um, all of that stuff are things, these discoveries or these big moments or these big revelations like happen when they're together mm-hmm. and, and they yeah. kind of have that bonded things between them. And now it just feels like they're on their own little planet and these are people on their own little planet. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I guess, I think it's probably because they, they want to keep focused on certain characters and certain yeah. scenes and stuff. But I just know. think that maybe the, the general consensus for the powers that be is that, Oh, well, we need to have this scene focusing purely on Roger and Brianna because we need to ha- we need to develop their characters more. And I think what they're not realizing is that the reason people love the books and the reason that they have a, such a strong connection to these characters is because of the family and their bonds with each other. Yeah, they're wonderful people on their own, but it's creating this sense of community and like so that when that's mm-hmm. gone, it's devastating. And I don't yeah. feel like we're gonna get that at all. Like even mm-hmm. in Journey Cake, when we got that fake out, it was it was really sad. But mm-hmm. I I I don't know I don't know that it would have come across the way that it's supposed to. I don't know. But well yeah. I'm hoping in the first couple episodes they really they really show that more. You know, yeah. I mean I, I think they've lost a lot of um a lot of opportunities, you know, to really to really give a bonded vibe, to show them mm-hmm. working as a team, to show how reliant Jamie was on Roger, to show how much Roger, uh, Jamie did for Roger as a, mm-hmm. as a person, to show the bond that Claire, that, that Brie felt to her parents there. Mm-hmm. Like all of that is important to tell their story in yeah. season seven. And, and I just feel like they've, they've dropped the ball a little there, mm-hmm. you know? So um, yeah. we'll see how it goes. They yeah. did a little better in season six, but not, not as much as I'd like to see. Yeah. I agree. You know? The only other episode that I kind of had a problem with, and it's not even really, I don't know if this is just purely because of personal preference, but I did not care for um, five ten either. Mercy shall follow me. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan that of that episode, episode felt either. really weird to me. I, it did too. It did to me too. And the thing is, it really struck against what I feel is Bonnet's um, MO character. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's really, you know, not supposed to give a shit when anybody thinks about him exactly yeah Yeah. and it's like okay you know honestly like he he gives a shit about himself and he doesn't give a shit about you know what anybody's perception of him and trying to pretend he he cares about just and he's an egotist like he already sees himself as you know as well he's he's a sociopath he's like he he literally doesn't know what emotion feels like like he knows how to mimic it but he doesn't know what it is really. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't understand it. And so for, for me to see that episode, like I appreciated it. And I think that Ed Spillers did a fantastic job, but mm-hmm. that's not who Stephen Bonnet is. And to try to make a villain more complex just for the sake of making him more complex 
Like it right. doesn't change all the terrible things that he's and done before this. I don't think he this. was uncomplex. I, no. I think you needed to do that to make him interesting. You know what I mean? Right. Like he was already interesting. What makes and him they so just dangerous? Into what made him already interesting? Well, what makes him so dangerous is that he doesn't give a shit. Like exactly. he he does what's best for him, and that's it. That's what makes him mm-hmm. dangerous. He doesn't care about anything else. So if if and a, people if say, decision, oh well, you know, in the book. You know, he did say he tried to save um, Brianna. He didn't try to save Brianna because of Brianna. He tried to save Brianna because he thought she was carrying his child. Right. You know, that's why he tried to save Brianna because part of him was there. You know what I mean? He saved himself in a way. Almost Um, because like society dictates that this is the right thing for me to do. So maybe I should do that. Like, it's not like it's what he perceives people expect. That's what he does. Like that's the mark of a sociopath. They don't really understand why they're doing it. They're doing it because it's expected of them to do it. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, it's, that's like, for me, the whole lure of Stephen Bonnet as a villain is that he makes sense. He makes decisions based on logic and that's it. Like there is no emotion in his decisions. So, and that's why when you saw him in the book in that part with Bray, um, for those of you that didn't know the, know the book, um, he totally does not does not care, you no. know, about anything involved. Like now she's not. She has no interest to him, you know. <laughs> um, as far as you know, like there is no worry about her welfare. No. <laughs> I you know, really, like, it's like, oh, he had already worried about her welfare to save her from prison. No, you know, it wasn't that. It was because she had his child in yeah. her belly. Right. <laughs> and that was why it was his progeny that was he was saving because it was part of himself and he loves himself, you know? Yeah. Um. So it. Yeah. They, they kind of made him like this whole where he's crying. Mm-hmm. Like, Stephen Bonnet doesn't cry. No. <laughs> well, and I reread that portion of A Breath of Snow and Ashes after the uh, season six finale. I, like, just picked up kind of with Claire where it ends, where season six ends. Uh-huh. And I picked up and read the rest of the book. And um, There's no crying in Bonnet. <laughs> well, and I just read it. And I'm like, Stephen Bonnet wasn't even the impetus for why Brie was abducted in the books like mm-hmm. he made a deal with Forbes and that's why Brianna got abducted it, it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with it was a total sh- business deal yeah it was a business and that's one thing that's Diana it. always says he says he's about business if you're gonna yeah. like the like the horse says if you uh Epi um says you know if your interests run with his then he'll, he'll be, be okay with you but right. if if you know it crosses his then he'll kill you without even thinking twice about it. like mm-hmm. that's that's you know, Stephen Bonnet. He's his own yeah. interest. Yeah. Right. Um, it, there's it's all this trying to make him have a heart, a villain with a heart, yeah. and what's underneath and all that. It was kind of very strange for me, too. Yeah. But that's also yeah. colored, I think, because I know what he is in the book. So maybe it works right. for the show people. I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, one of the people here talked about perpetual adoration. Yeah. Um, Melanie says perpetual adoration was interesting to me because of the flashback scenes of Claire and Brie in their time. How'd you like that episode? Um, it's one of those that I like more as I rewatch it and I catch mm-hmm. all of the little elements that were included, not necessarily from the fiery cross, but from other moments in the series that they've kind of thrown into this episode and made it more of a full circle moment. 
I'm a big, I'm a sucker for bookends and full circle moments. And I felt like that's mm-hmm. what this episode was. So when you look at all the little things that happen in this episode, it's really just kind of explaining why all these little moments are so critical to the grander scheme of things. So mm-hmm. on a cerebral it shows level, why her, it shows, I think, Claire's passion mm-hmm. about like some of her background and why she yeah um is trying to do this Dr. Rawlings thing and why mm-hmm. you know like it kind of informs her a little bit yeah. but I it also felt a little bit like separate from the it felt like it it's, did there was a lot was, of isolated stories yeah. like that and see in the beginning of season five it almost mm-hmm. felt like until they got themselves on track they were telling all of these other little mm-hmm. stories you know and that was one yeah. of them but it was interesting. I liked I liked seeing that sixties, you know, fifties yeah. and sixties period. You mm-hmm. know, I liked the change of the scenery of that, yeah. and I like you know the the you know the crossing of the two time periods. Yep. I like that too. You know, which is one of another thing I'm excited about. So it felt very um, season three esque the way that they did that that like the first yes. half of season three. It yes. showed the di- Jamie and Claire and the different time periods and like how mm-hmm. their stories are still interconnected and dealing with a lot of the same issues on an emotional and a like cerebral level, but very mm-hmm. different circumstances. So, um, and I also liked how in the sixties before she goes through the whole thing with Graham Menzies, like you're really able to see kind of <clears throat> how Claire was emotionally removed from a lot of things. Um mm-hmm because she was still grieving for Jamie on kind of it on the inside and um, how he kind of helped to like break that loose in her. And um, because she, he reminded her of Jamie. And so, yeah, I like that episode. It wasn't like the top of my list, but I didn't hate it either. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like very, yeah, it was more (laughs) mediocre for me. It didn't like, it's not one that I remember. Yeah. Like when I think about the episode and I think, what episodes I loved, which episodes I hated, what you know, like that type exactly. of thing. Middle it's of the, the one road. that I just totally forget about. You yep. know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. alone makes me feel like it's it makes me kind of not put it as a strong episode because I don't even right. have the time my my brain goes right past it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so um okay so Ready? our last category. Our last category. This was the last minute one. I felt like it was a like meet in the middle between our cinematic moment and me just talking about Outlander. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. We talk about Outlander. Outlander. That's right. My family is literally having a cookout right now. And I'm like, I won't be able to be there till six 30 or so. And they're like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, talking about Outlander. (laughs) Yes. Talking about Outlander. That's what I do. That's what I do. Um, yeah. Um, so most iconic moment. I have a couple, as as you know. For me, Jamie running to light the cross, bookending the first lighting of the cross. I like that whole idea because to me it's iconic of the season, you know. And I love that shot of him running, you know, um, to light the cross when she's taken. Um, I also, for me... Um, and this is all kind of finale related. I'm realizing this as I'm saying it. 
But for me, the kill them all moment. Oh, yeah. Very iconic for me. I was waiting for that moment. I couldn't wait for those three words. I know. How it was going to be done in the scene. So I, I, to me, it was just like, yes. I'm you know, so glad kill them people, all. I'm so glad that even show watchers had a good reaction to that. Because, you know, sometimes yeah. people don't react the way that we as book readers think they're going to react. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, agree. I, I was glad that... Uh, I was, oh, yeah. yeah, we're cheering on mass murder. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, exactly. Blah, you know, I was I'm like, like oh, please, no, no, don't no. presentism this. <laughs> you, you, uh, you have to understand why. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, anyway. Okay, continue. And I said, and also that shot of them naked in the last shot mm. of them and her saying safe. How, how do you feel? And her telling him telling her she was a brave wee lass. And, and just the, the, the shooting of it. And, the, and it was such a iconic almost yeah. looked like a sculpture or something yeah. in the way that it was shot um and him her all with the bruising and it was just very artistic mm-hmm. um and then you know her, him saying how do you feel and she says safe and it was just such a a, a great iconic moment for a Jamie Claire yeah. iconic moment yep. you know what I mean um so those were the things I said it was the perfect way to end this season um, or season five. Um, and I felt like as you were talking about, it, I was like, you know what that moment really reminds me of? Um, there's a famous cast of a man and a woman from Pompeii where they literally died in each other's arms. Like, that's and they have- that, that inspired the book. You know yeah. that, right? In the no, book, there's a scene. Yeah, there's a scene where they find the skeleton. I think it's in Dragonfly oh, yeah, and Amber. Dragonfly and Amber. Where yeah, they yeah. find the, the skeletons and it looks like he had his arm around her. Yeah. That was inspired by yeah. that story, by that, what you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, with the inspiration for the Paleolithic lovers or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So it, it was, uh, she kind of did a similar mm-hmm. scene where they found that in, in, yeah. in the book. So that wasn't in the show, but right. <laughs> that yeah. was a book thing. Bonus. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's what it kind of reminded me yeah. of as well when you yeah. saw it in season five. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it reminded me of that too. Right. You know, because I immediately thought of that book scene of them finding their skeletons. Yeah. Veronica says, Thank God for you too, because no one else in my life wants to always talk about Outlander. <laughs> Mine either. That's me. why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> To Angela be your safe place to fall. Working hard to uh, provide you with all your Outlander needs. That's right. We will not. <laughs> we have no judgment here. Look at me. I got. I got like the entire room is all done in Outlander. I know? got my Fraser tartan scarf back there. I got yeah. Get little <laughs> anyway. bees flying around. Matter of fact, I was booking for one of the things I'm doing on the Patreon page is I'm I'm hosting a tour of Ember. Mm-hmm. Um, virtual tour of Ember with a, a thing, and I, I met with the guy on on Zoom, and he looks at me and he goes, "Well, you got a lot going on." Back. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, this? You mean That's this?" Hilarious! <laughs> oh my god! I said, no, "Well, I, I am the queen bee." <laughs> I said, it's called oh Queen Bee Pie for a reason. I am the Queen Bee. Yes. It's the bees. It's the bees. <laughs> it's the bees' knees. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was really embarrassed. So he was like, wow, you got a lot going on oh back no. there. I was like, okay, I probably should have like put this in a different spot. But oh, well, it's me. Oh, well. 
yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So my most iconic moment, the moment that yes. I always think of when season five is in 607 when Jamie's forced to put on- You keep confusing me with that. <laughs> 507 guys we're talking about season five so if i say season six just gloss right over it we're talking about season five <laughs> in 507 ballad of roger mack when jamie's forced to put on the red coat and that moment where he puts on his hat and then he like raises his eyes and looks straight into the camera and the look on sam's face just that shot oh my god it's so like- so amazing like Mm -hmm. yeah so that was my most iconic moment of season five because that was iconic because that's what i think of when i think of season five and the other one would probably be um him standing at the trunk looking through his kilt and stuff i just Mm -hmm. i love that moment and i think that 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 says a lot both about the character and the show so but yeah Mm -hmm. definitely him looking into the into the camera with his red coat uniform on. Anyway. I loved it. I loved it all. There was a lot of iconic visual moments, especially. Really were. Really, really were. So amazing. All right. So do you want, do we want to promo our Jamie character study thing? I did mention it at the beginning, but we'll mention it at the end too. Um, Yes. Because we always want to leave them wanting more, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so June 10th, yes, I have that right. June 10th. It's a Friday, June 10th. Yes. At 7 30 PM Eastern time, we're going to be talking about all things Jamie Fraser. It's an episode dedicated to him, his history as a character, his family, his relationships with other people and how all of that impacts who he is and his actions in the story. So, um, it's going to be show focused there will be some book details that you know we think inform who he is on the screen but not necessarily were covered on the screen so um yeah make sure to join us for that it's going to be another live event like this um and i do love delving into character oh yes that's kind of my fun like getting in uh, you know how i am about that That's like, I feel like that's 90% of what my podcasts are, or like thinking mm-hmm. about a character's motivations in that moment and like how that informs their reactions and other people's reactions. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like that's what I do as an author too. So I feel like that's kind of like my default setting, but Friday night drool time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that too. Oh man. Veronica is good with the one line or with the little yes. lines in there. She's the GIF queen. Is it GIF or GIF? I, never I say know GIF. But... Okay, GIF. Um, speaking of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Different kind of GIF. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, she's always good with them. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, I want to, I, I need to get with you to kind of see what we want to do as far as formatting yeah. that. But, yes. um, um, and that's the night before I leave on vacation. So I'll be like in vacation mode. So, and that's the week before our swarm. Oh man. Lots going so on lots this going summer. On. I know yeah. I started my book club prep this weekend. Oh my Lord. I'm so glad I started now because <laughs> it's a lot, <laughs> so it's much. A lot of preparable um, study. 
and uh, the author of the series has also reached out to me. So um, as I'm reading, I'm like jotting down questions for her. So hopefully get answers to some of my like pressing questions. Is Um, she going to be there for this event? I don't think she is. um, Just because I kind of want to get my legs under me a little bit and like get a vibe for how... Because a lot of this is me floundering. It's going to be very unorganized probably the first time around. Oh, just I'm because... sure it's going to be fantastic because everything <sighs> you do is fantastic. I'm really Chelsea. nervous, Angela. <laughs> no, it's going to be fantastic, uh, I'm sure. And if you guys, it's a great book series. And yes. Chelsea is very good at analyzing things. So I'm sure it will be fantastic. Yes, it's you the Celtic Brooch, it. Celtic Brooch series. We're going to be going over the first book, which is the Ruby Brooch. And you can get it on Amazon in paperback and Kindle version. Paperbacks. And 14. it's also very good on Audible. Oh, I've yeah. listened to it on Audible and it's very good on Audible. The reader's good. And I am I so think. glad. Like, it makes me so happy on a deep level because a lot of you, like, blasted through the first book. And you're like, yeah, I'm already on, like, book three. And I'm like, I'm glad you're loving it as much as I do. Um, I feel like it's a good. Well, we love time travel anyway and historical yeah. fiction anyway. So, yeah. um yeah, I, I love it. I think it's great. It's one thing I love about that series is that like Outlander dives very deep into one historical time frame, but mm-hmm. this, a different book focuses on a different period in time. So yes, that's, that's what I like about these different books. history. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we had there's yeah. that one with Lincoln assassination or yeah. Lincoln, the Lincoln yeah. story, the civil war. And, and there's one about uh, civil war. And then, yeah. One and then of we my got favorites the, 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 is turn of the century, New York city, um, talking about like baseball and corruption and the police force and like all of that stuff. I, have, I don't think I've favorites. gotten to that one. You haven't gotten that far yet. I think I've only read the first five and then That's, I got into uh, bees prep and I got like yeah. seriously overworked and I had to stop my personal yeah. reading. Yeah. <laughs> I know so I have to get yeah. back to that now, you know, yeah. you've given me an excuse to dip back in so I can participate yeah. in your book study. I'll tell you um, what, so. um, they got new narrators after the topaz brooch which is the eighth book yes the eighth book is through the eighth book it's all the same um terry schnabel and then they got a different narrator for nine which i wasn't a huge fan of but then they got a man and a woman to narrate books 10 and 11 and they oh, I, I always like that they are amazing like amazing really? and they're doing book 12 too um she posted actually that they're booked solid. So she's the audiobook for 12 is not coming out till November, but the, uh, the actual book comes out next month in June. So, um, nice. so yeah, but they're awesome. So books 10 and 11 are my favorite to listen to. And that's saying awesome. something because I feel like Terry Schnabel's really good. So anyway, so I hope you guys will join me for the Celtic brooch books. They're going to be awesome. Not anything on a regular basis because I still have season six to get through. And I know this is a Outlander based podcast. So, um, but I also wanted something to kind of fill our time because season six was a condensed season anyway. And Lord knows how long it'll be. It is a little bit Scotland based. It is time travel. So it Mm -hmm. does touch on the world. That's what I do in my beehive. I do everything that kind of touches the world in some way, shape or form. And so because of that reason, I didn't want it to just be just where I couldn't, I was in a box. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
but I still do a lot of alligator, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everything, you know? It's your bread so, and butter. Yeah. Yes. It's the bread and butter. Um, <laughs> but anyway, okay. Well, this Alrighty. was great. I this was that, fantastic. I hope that we entertained you today. Yes. Happy Memorial Day and, weekend, everyone. Uh, I look forward to our Jamie chat. In two weeks. Um, yeah, so happy Memorial Day, everyone. Uh, if you're a race fan, happy race weekend. That's what I love about Memorial Day. Hey, Connie. So, uh, yes. and, and just make sure you send me the, the outline quick so I can oh, for know sure. how to. How to I haven't it. started on it at all. So, blank okay. slate. If there's anything you want to talk about, send it my way. <laughs> okay. All righty, guys. Sounds good. You have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.